What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for today. We continue our coverage on USAPL Mega Nationals in Las Vegas, Nevada. It'll be taking place two and a half short weeks away. One of the more anticipated meets in all of powerlifting, tested or untested. Lots of lifters, lots of things to cover. Solana, Steve, and I do our best to do all the preview shows, and we are going to... Go on to our men's lifters. We already had our female lifters. If you haven't looked at that episode, please check those two episodes out. We cover every female weight class. Now we start our coverage on the male. Just like last time, we started with junior primetime lifters all the way up to 82.5 kilos. Then on Wednesday's episode, we're going to get into 90 kilos and to the super heavyweights. Lots of hot takes, lots of predictions. I get excited doing these because that means we're closer to nationals and we're going to help you guys get there and get excited for that as well and this will continue our marathon of all the preview shows we're going to do because we have ipf worlds coming up next week but before that we're going to get all of our coverage to usapl mega nationals happening and without further ado here it is two white lights oh baby i like And as promised, we are going to get into the men's preview for USAPL Mega Nationals. Last week, we released the females. This week, we have the males. Steve DeNovi, Solana Lewis, how are you two doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited. I'm doing good. I want to say I'm excited, but I'm hearing another four and a half hour episode. Yeah, well... We already knew this was going to be a marathon all the way through, but we're, 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 we're our second episode in. We still got IPF Worlds. We still got more podcasts to do to hype up USAPL Run Ass. This, this is going to be a doozy. Yeah. I know Solana was uh, cramming in a bunch of work in her predictions, I think, today, trying to get all this stuff in. Uh, since me and, For the listeners, me and Solana actually put in data and predictions and research. Angelo just shows up. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. And, and this one, too. I, I actually don't think you guys should put that much data into it. I think you guys should just go and speak oh, what no. your heart tells you oh, because no. I have – no data, but I have a shit ton of things to say about, especially the, the male lifters. I, I have a I'm lot gonna to I'm going to very say. much say that's what people like, is they like the fact that you are hashtag bad journalism and just speak off of raw emotion, and then the other guests actually have some type of ability <laughs> to spell trapezius. Of, of course. I fully agree. I am not fully convinced you guys both know how to spell trapezius. I, but so I mean, no, yeah, see, exactly. T-R-A-P-E. Z I O U S. You could be wrong. I have no idea how to spell it. So, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I, I guess that could have been a that could have been a flex. Steve, how many how much time do you spend um, putting in data? Like, how much time do you spend for men? The men was a bit easier because men, again, we say this every time, men post more. 
Mm-hmm. They, they they have to flex more what they're doing, so it's a bit easier to see, as well as just inherently. I probably look more closely to some of these men, mm-hmm. just like Solana probably looks more closely to some of the women because we, we, we relate to them better. That's just natural that we do that. So I, there's probably some of these men that I, 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 mean, I talk to them. We also talk to them in DMs all the time. So it's a little bit easier for the guys. Mm-hmm. I'd probably say since Harrison helped out, that's a big help. Big shout he out there. The past, yeah. Harrison was he big. got all the past meet information, which usually takes me two to three hours. It only then took me two to three hours to do the predictions. Okay, I feel a lot better because I was like, I have been here for three hours. I pray to God, C doesn't tell me 20 minutes or like something oh, ridiculous no. where I'm just like, oh. <laughs> Definitely not. Two to three hours. I like went to, to be, sleep doing it, woke up, started doing it again. Used to be four to six because I'd have to get all the past meet data and just literally just type it in from open power lifting, which I knew there had to be a better way. I don't know what Harrison did, but he found a better way to mm-hmm. auto-populate or find that data easier because I would just have to go in and copy it in each time. One thing I want to say, though, for the woman, like, I used to be like, y'all, never post my lips. Now that I'm doing this, guys, if you want to be talked about, <laughs> post your freaking lips, please. This was hard. <laughs> And there's half of y'all who did not post, but half of y'all did, and it was great. But if you want to be talked about in a way that is um, quote-unquote fair, or a way that's like, oh, if they didn't know that I did this, like, post it, and then I'll know, and then talk about it. Just saying. Yes, I, I laugh every time someone says they're, like, offended because we say we don't know what they're doing because they're not posting. How else? This isn't, like the NFL, where there's so many media outlets that we're going to be able to find out whatever you're doing at any point in time. There's no idea any of us know. We just have to freaking guess, and we do yeah. our best of our ability. Or just DM me privately. I won't tell the world, and I'll just tell them on the podcast, but I won't show it to the world. <laughs> so good. Well, I think when we did it and last year for the March Madness stuff, people started to reach out to us more and started telling us, like, started posting more and telling us more about their training, and, like, uh, most people were cool about it because we told them flat out, like, we don't know what's going on. But the thing is, I think the def- difference between men and women if we do it to the males, you're going to get, and probably particularly from the 75 kilo weight class, because this is how they're wired, I'm being slept on, I'm being overlooked, <laughs> I'm not given the, the respect and attention I deserve, and females are kind of like, okay, whatever, fucking, we don't care. <laughs> like, we could be overlooked and slept on all we want, we don't really have that big of a concern for it, but um, I, yeah, I would say there's a greater chance of someone making a post after the men's episode of their being overlooked and slept on as opposed to females and also fans of those lifters. I guarantee you somebody's going to say, I think you guys are overlooking this person. And when they say we're overlooking someone, really, we just they just want us to give more compliments to their friends or their favorite lifter. And I'm like, I don't know how yeah, you guys don't understand what being slept on and overlooked means, but... That's sports journalism. It's full of bad journalism and these weird nuances. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. And, you know, the data part to me is uh, not as important for the males because I can just kind of spit off some hot takes about a lot of these lifters and just what I feel based on me following them on social media and talking to them. A lot of it's going to be just through interactions, maybe training with them. And that's why it comes a little bit easier for this. So, uh, and to start here, I think we already had a really good pre 
competition with all these lifters at uh, collegiate and junior nationals. We have a stacked junior prime time for the men, where the females has two really good lifters um, on the raw side. This has potential to be a fantastic kickoff to mega nationals with the juniors, particularly in the eighty-two and a half kilo weight class. And there's a couple other. Uh, there's um, was that two seventy-five kilo lifters. One seventy-five kilo and one ninety kilo lifter. Okay. Yeah. So this one is going to be a show of eighty-two and a half kilo lifters, and I think the headline right off the bat: Charvis and Chris going at it again. That was a close battle at Collegiate Nationals. Chris pulled it off. Charvis had some problems with depth, but we saw Kyle Dawson staying it the entire time. Then you have the addition of Seth Suzuki who has a monster, monster pull on top of that, so you don't know what's going to happen with him. And then in the 75-kilo weight class, you have Kevin Garrett, who I have no idea what his top-end strength is because everything looks so damn easy for him at Nationals. So we got a lot to talk about here. Steve, Charvis, and Chris. Did you pick Chris last time? I did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you, though, of keep saying Charvis and Chris and say that Kyle is very much a part of that, too. We yes. overlooked him last time, and he tried to pull for the win. You're right. He did. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I did pick Chris last time. You picked Charvis. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens this time. Maybe we'll flip-flop back and forth. Um, I mean, neither of them had a great meet. Nope. Um both of them underperformed what they're capable of. I mean, looking at what they're doing in the gym, it's well over what they did at that meet. It's honestly about who executes better. And that includes Kyle, too, because uh, he missed a third squat where I think he likely reached a little bit. He tried to jump from 622 to 644. If he would have taken a little less, maybe that means he doesn't have to pull as much and he could have won that. Seth Dasuki, that will be interesting because I see he wasn't, I mean, he was pushed at the very end. Like it seemingly he wasn't pushed very much because people were missing lifts. And then all of a sudden Trey Ricard hits that insane deadlift, makes Seth have to hit that third deadlift to win it. But he had more in the tank there. Mm. So yeah, uh, this one, I, I mean, the, the interesting thing too is this is on dots. Even though we're talking about a bunch of 82 kilo lifters, this time is not about which 82 totals the most. It's about who has the best DOS score, which obviously Kevin's in that too. We also got Donovan Spears and Jordan McKinley. Um, maybe, I mean, I didn't see anything necessarily that I would say that, like, I think they can make the jump to where I think, I think likely you're going to have to go 520 plus on DOTS to win this. I, I didn't see anything necessarily that said that they could. Maybe they prove us wrong. Uh, I mean, the people I see most likely, based off of what I saw in training, was Charvis, Chris, and Kyle. Seth's hard to gauge because guess where he goes? Oh. University, which one? I'm, I'm waiting for someone to guess. Midland. Midland. Yeah. Yeah, Seth, Midland, Seth so was an incredible He had a couple posts, but they're all sub-max. Kevin hasn't really posted either, so I can't gauge anything off of what he's doing. But Charvis and Chris and Kyle are both very active on social media, and they're all hitting huge numbers. I mean, it comes down to Charvis and Chris have the biggest upside. If they hit their list, I, I'm not sure Kyle has the top-end strength to match them. But – Charvis, the big question mark is squat depth. It was squat depth going into the meet. He had an issue with that and almost bombed out. Um, he has since changed shoes. It does look a little better. I'm going to say it looks borderline, but it looks a little bit better, at least from the front view. Um, 
And then Chris is absolutely smoking training. Honestly, I don't, I don't necessarily know exactly kind of what he felt maybe went wrong on the day. Um, cause he obviously doesn't have the same variables. I feel like Charles, Charvis has, but I have both of them very possibly going. Oh, these projected totals are going off the wrong thing. That's screwing me up. Let me fix this. I noticed that around 1700. I've got, I've got Chris at 1710. I've got Charvis at 1700. I've got Kyle Dawson 1681. And I've got Seth Suzuki 1677. And then Kevin in there 1557. Obviously he's a 75 kilo lifter. That's going to change it. Um, Charvis did weigh a little less. So that comes into play, but not by a much, but I honestly, it's whoever hits lifts. That that's going to be the key here. I, I think that. Charvis and Chris are obviously the favorites here going into it. If one of them hits their lifts, they're probably likely taking it home and really going to have to push every, everyone else is going to have to be pushed to be able to kind of match that. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I think this time you're going to see executed lifts from both of them. I think they're going to fix some of their space. I think Charvis's depth looks a lot better. I... At Nationals, I think his third attempt was the perfect squat depth, and it looks like he's more consistent with that in training. I do think that you get a little lower on meat day. I do think that you just it just happens to lifters. Like, as long as you're not squatting noticeably high in training, I think if you're borderline the entire time, I mean, a lot of us made a career off that, right? Like, Russ is borderline most of the time in training, and, you know, he finds it on meat day, minus 2019 Raw Nationals, but... At IPF Worlds, he's borderline, but then he sinks at IPF Worlds. I think Charvis's depth will be fine, and that will dictate his squat, and I think you will get into their big bench, and that's their bread and butter lift, is their bench, and they're going to be battling out there. And once it comes to pull, then it starts shifting towards Kyle and Seth, because they have the big pulls. So it does come down to, I they would have to go 5 for 6, 6 for 6, and get them in a position to hit some PRs on deadlift, and not have to worry about... Seth and Kyle's uh, pulls, um, uh, and particularly Seth. Seth has a monster pull. I think he can go over seven fifty on the day. Yeah, uh, I don't know seven fifty. He hit seven twenty three. It looked good. I don't know if he had another twenty five, twenty seven pounds in him. I think seven thirty five to seven forty, um, which again that gets him right in the picture. But that's why this one's going to be so interesting. I, I wonder if anyone's going to do any type of weight cut. Um, I personally wouldn't, uh, but I wonder if anyone's going to do any type of weight cut to kind of try and gain a dots advantage, because obviously that's a big part of this, is that you can sense total less, but still win, a la Angelo versus Gruden last year, or Gruden. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gruden out dots, or out IPF scored you at the time, but you out totaled him. So, um, I, I, I think there's some benefit here that Chris and Charvis had kind of their bad meat because they learn from it. Mm-hmm. I think both, I don't, I'm not going to say both are going to go nine for nine, but I definitely expect both of them to have better meats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I did not watch Collegiate. So <laughs> I was looking at wow. everyone's Instagram. Wow. But... Bad, but that's some bad journalism <laughs> there. Um, it is. <laughs> I went well, on all their Instagram. Well, Solana, I'm going to have to tell you because I'm going to talk about someone right now that you have to go and watch. Everyone, everyone needs to go and dig up this six hours of footage. I think on that one day that the 75 kilos lifted and watch Kevin Garrett. 
Kevin Garrett was really, really good. That was his second meet. I don't know if he has what it takes to get top three, but honestly, I do not know. He is a wild card. His lifts look effortless. His his numbers, I think, he, he might have left 20 kilos on the table. That's how good his lifts were. It And I'm telling you guys, watch it. If you did not watch Kevin Garrett's performance, watch it because it just doesn't – it feels like he just doesn't know yet how strong he is. And that happens, especially once your uh, second meet. He's coached by Alex Ono, goes to LSU. I believe he's a cheerleader on top of being a power lifter, which is difficult to do. Um, it, it takes different kind of strength. He has a, a lot of explosive power. Really, if he jumps into top three, though, that might be my wild card pick to jump into the top three. I don't think he has the dots to hang with Jarvis and Chris, but this guy is someone to watch. And they were taking insane jumps, too. Alex was taking ridiculous jumps the entire time, or they were taking because they just didn't really know where exactly he would lie on his third attempt, and everything looked RP nine for his third attempt. So, I I, I implore you to watch that, um, and this is just going to add to a really stacked uh, matchup here. And Donovan Spears, again, he's actually a teen lifter who got into the junior spot. Really strong. He's a tank. Um, I think his days are going to be in the nineties. But I think if they continue with this junior primetime thing, he's going to eventually get his pro card as a junior um, with this because he's – I think he's he might be the youngest one here. I know Kevin Garrett's pretty young, but Donovan, Donnie might be one of the youngest. Donovan and here. Jordan, I think, both both came through with the, uh, the team bid because four teen or high schoolers were able to get in through the teen nationals and high school nationals. I think both of them were teens. I'm not sure how how young, but teenage. All right, yeah, that makes sense there. I I, I think with Donovan, um, he I think if you look at him, he's just big. He's just a tank. Ninety kilos is possibly a division he could do really well in in the future. He's already a great eighty-two and a half kilo lifter. Like Joe Bornstein, him, um, uh, Limerick, they all had such really good meets at that team level, and I think they're going to eventually just kind of dominate or get into the top three in their weight class within the next two to three years. That's how good they look. I mean, we're going to about to talk about the 75s uh, relatively soon, but um, you already see one with uh, Joe Bornstein in there. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see what Don, uh, what Donovan does. Um, Steve, do you have any other uh, information on uh, Jordan? I don't. Okay. Yeah, because I see a lot of NAs here. Is he just a person who doesn't post, or? Uh, I didn't get too much information on kind of what his numbers were, um, but, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, are we ready to do some predictions here for the junior primetime spot? Yep. All right. Who am I going to pick first? I'm going to have Steve go first. All right. I... For the fun of it, I'm going to flip it this time. I'm going Charvis. Taking first. I If he would have hit his squats, and based on the easy 551 was, I thought his top-end strength looked better on the day. I thought strength-wise, he had the ability to win. Uh, it's just that one squat went wrong because of depth. And then on deadlift, he had to overreach. I think he had to try and go pull 716 to win or something like that. Um, and he had to overreach there when he likely had something like 690-ish to maybe 7. So... I think Jarvis has the top in strength. I'm going Chris second. And then honestly, Kyle's training is going really well. I like the I like the the, the repeat of them top three again. Um, I just don't know enough about what Seth is doing because he doesn't post as much. 
um, as well as just the fact that if I'm looking at top end strength, he wasn't on par with Chris and, and Chris and Jarvis at that meet. Um, and the same thing with Kevin, uh, he could come in and make some s- significant progress and we don't even know. Cause again, I, I just didn't see much posting from him. Um, I think he's newer and obviously making some pretty rapid progress, but I, I like the, the situation of looking at Jarvis, Chris and, and Kyle Dawson. I, I think Jarvis first, Chris second, and then Kyle, he's probably going to have to reach a little bit because his top end is not quite where Jarvis and Chris is. If he pulls a miracle deadlift, it wouldn't surprise me, but I'm going to put my money on Jarvis. All right, well, nice. to, yeah. uh, well, to have more fun here, I'm going to flip it from my previous predictions. I'm going to go Chris number one, Jarvis two, and I'm going to put Kevin Garrett third on this one. Um, I want to see the wild card get in there for third, and I really do think, based on his dot score at his last meets, I think he could get into it. It's a wild card move. I don't know what's going to happen exactly with how he progresses from collegiate nationals. He's new to the sport. Maybe the travel gets to him. Who knows? Or maybe he's just that damn good. Maybe we're looking at the next Austin Perkins. It really looked like that when he was competing. He looked like a freak. So I'm going to put him third. And then Chris with his – the reason I'm putting Chris number one – I love his training right now. His training is looking dialed in, locked in. I'm liking Charvis too, but Chris right now, I'm I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing from him, and I don't think he has the variables to worry about like squat depth and possibly sinking it a little bit lower than he's used to and not getting that rebound strength. That's another thing with squat depth that I try to tell people. Sometimes if you cut it short and then you have to get a little bit lower on meet day, it kind of messes with your um, your actual strength because you just don't have the strength to get out of the hole. Um, I think Chris just has less to worry about at that, and they're almost they're almost the same exact lifter. Big bench, big squat, and then when it comes to deadlift, it's Seth Suzuki's game, but I, um, I, I just like Kevin Garrett. I just want to see what Kevin Garrett could do, and I think um, we're going to see a great meet from him. How about you, Solana? I'm going Chris, and then Charvis, and then Kyle. I just like people who are more consistent, so that's the problem. I'm probably not going to put you at first place. So Chris, and then Kyle posts lifts, and Kevin doesn't. So I went with Kyle. <laughs> Where does Kyle Dawson go, Steve? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I, it's not like a, a, a collegiate team necessarily. Okay. I think he's more... One off. Let's look. I know he, he's always in that school gym with those bump or with those uh, rubber plates. Let's see if it says here. Yes, he is. UNL. I don't know what UNL is. Oh, Nebraska Lincoln. It looks like. Oh. Well, shout out to UNL. You just gotta. <laughs> you just got the best. I didn't know they ever called it ever. UNL. I think it's just Nebraska. Oh, it's University of Nebraska. Cornhuskers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Looks like he looks like he just graduated. Oh, congratulations! Getting his master's degree or whatnot. But yeah, Nebraska. All right, we got a Cornhusker in there. This is gonna be fun, though. This is gonna be a really good way to kick. If you want, usually when you do an event, you want to start off hot. You want to start off with something big. I think Junior Primetime is something to get people fully engaged, really excited for it, and it's gonna be a nice appetizer to what we see from the entire week. I'm I'm incredibly excited for the men and female on Junior Primetime. All right, let's go on to the 52s. So we're going to be a little bit short on this one because there's not a whole lot to to discuss. It's a not a new weight class. It's one of the old weight classes, but there's not going to be a whole lot of lifters in the 52s. There's one total. Yeah. 
It's not just oh, prime time. Oh, oh okay. One total. Okay, so it's actually one. I so when we're doing the literally Google, one. So when we're doing this bad. This is where I actually should do research. Um, when I look yeah. at the Google sheet, like we're, we're obviously not putting in every single lifter. We're putting the lifters in who we think were who could win, who could t- play top three. I thought this was the only person who could win. Um, I mean, technically that's true. Well, yes, yes, you're correct. <laughs> I, I wish that dude from Collegiate Nats who competed at 52 <laughs> comes and starts competing. That would be awesome. I want to see him come, pull his 20 kilos on squat, or squat his 20 kilos on, and then bench 20 kilos, and then pull 100, and he gets a silver medal. Silver medals that are on nationals. That would be pretty awesome. Forget his name. I'm forgetting, but the legend the, from uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, the Raging. He is the Raging Cajun. He flexed after a 275 deadlift, or 275-pound deadlift. You gotta love that attempting the bar. Well, I mean, maybe that's, I don't know. I don't want to be too mean here, but that's what maybe we should do. We should. I mean, what happened to that lifter at Louisiana Lafayette lifter was they just found a guy on campus who looked about fifty-two kilos, and they're like, "Hey, you want a power lift? All you got to do is just hit the bar twice, and then do whatever you want to do on deadlift, and you'll win just based on no one else has signed up." We should find a guy in Vegas. Who could do the same thing and just like see well, if we could it's too late up. now, but yes, it is confirmed up. that is literally what they did. Guys, it's Vegas. Because oh my god, really? It's Vegas. You can just yes, do that. It's literally what they did. Confirmed. <laughs> yeah, that was I thought Steve was feeding me a line of shit, but he was totally right on well, that. Well I was. That was my that was my theory until <laughs> someone said someone from Louisiana Lafayette messaged me and said, Yes, that's exactly what we did. <laughs> Yeah, because I was like, that's amazing. Because I was like, that's mean, Steve. Take it easy. And they're like, no, we did that. I'm like, all right. I (laughs) my face during that entire prime time, or not that uh, during that session was priceless. And Steve, of course, was poking me the entire time, like trying to get a response out of me. Because I would like, I was like refusing to commentate his lifts because I'm like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) And I was getting DMs like, what the hell's going on? Like, did this guy just hit? 275 pounds and flex on the crowd. I'm like, okay, I I don't want to bury him. His his family could be watching. I don't want to do that. But uh, yeah, and uh, who, getting into the person who's actually yeah. competing, Joby Trong is the only 52 kilo male. As long as he doesn't bomb out, he is your national champion. Um, I saw no posts on social media, so I have no updates. He put out a thousand thirty-one total back in February, so yeah, I mean it's uncontested. I don't really have much to say. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm picking him to win, first place. Any other predictions? Angela, you're next. Oh, thanks. Um, I was trying to think of something witty to say, and I can't. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, I was trying to think of like a really small yeah. powerlifter who I can make fun of right now. And say that, like, I don't know, I think, but there there isn't one. JoJo Kilo, well, I don't know. I'm surprised you didn't say, Steve, can you not enter that class? <laughs> well, you're too You're tall. missing out on opportunities here. Yeah, but you're, yeah, but you're, you're clearly not 52. I mean, you're six foot two and like 75 kilos, that's crazy, but I... That's what I was thinking. <laughs> you're, you're in that weight class range, but I think 52 is just too much. Um, I know they were trying to make this, like, the, like, to encourage more youth lifters. Yeah, I thought this was supposed to be just a youth class, but it is being contested and open, and Joby Trong is going to be your national champion as long as he hits a squat, a bench, and a deadlift. Nice. All right. And I'm going to assume you're picking the same? 
So we'll move on to 56. And 56 isn't much different. There's only two total, and they're both in prime time. We got Michael uh, Gordiano and then Aiden Kusak. Um, This could be interesting. They're only separated by about 10 pounds on nominated total. Um, Michael just competed for his first time in March. Um, I really didn't see any posts from him to be able to gauge anything, but uh, I just giving him another two and a half kilos on each lift, giving Aiden another two and a half kilos on each lift. It's going to be close. It'll be about a five-kilo battle. Um, Aiden definitely does post. I didn't really see anything that I can make some strong predictions on other than he started to say that his bench is feeling a bit better. Um, yeah, I don't know if you got anything else, but this one's pretty simple as well. We're just picking between two lifters. That was really it. Like, like I said, Aiden posts. Um, I have him shipping everything by two and a half kilos and that'll bring it to like a nine, nine, seven total. And then Michael doesn't really post. Um, so if he, even if he gets what he had coming in, he would still be Aiden with my prediction. So, um, hey, I want to point out though here the 52 kilo lifter Joby, his total's higher than the 56 kilo lifter. So that is yes, hey, that is true. Hey. That's good. All right, well, you know what? Put some respect on Joby's name. Because I think that was a little bit short with him. I mean, it may, perhaps we're looking at a quite the impressive 52 kilo lifter. I mean, um, I don't know. Yeah, I. Again, I mean, there's going to be very little that I could add in here. Um, I I would go Michael Aiden. Hopefully, they're listening. And get some new fans of Two White Lights, but I uh, yeah, yeah, just not a whole lot really. To I know me. Aiden's a fan. He re- he reposted the. Oh, uh, Aiden! No, no, no! Today. I know Aiden. Never mind. I know Aiden. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah, I they're going to grow into their weight classes. I think. I don't think they're going to be. 56 for long. I think you're going to, again, I, I think it, because they're both really young lifters, correct? Yeah. I know Aiden for sure. I don't remember about Michael. All right. Michael. Yeah, because, I mean, if you have that, then, you know, you're, you're, you're probably going to see him 67 and a half, 75 just at a point because people, you know, gain weight. Yeah, a different Michael came up. Okay. Yeah, right. anyways. <laughs> All right, so for 56, um, did you guys give your predictions? I go no. Michael and then Aiden. Okay. So I got the same, Michael and Aiden. All right, looking at the totals here, uh, because I know Aiden, I'm going to say that he's going to win. Or I'm, I'm familiar okay. with the handle. I know who that is. All right, so on to 60 kilos. Now this one, we're going to see... Some past uh, performance, or past really good performances for some of these lifters. Um, last year, Kurt Navarro, uh, Kurt Navarro, Kenneth Imperial, um, competed at nationals. Were in the thick of things. Oscar uh, Carpio, though, at the Arnold, a very good performance, and he kind of made himself the top contender here for the uh, sixty kilo weight class. Yeah, he's the heavy favorite. Yeah, he showed out. Um, the only thing I'll say, he did post a story the other day that looked like after he deadlifted, he was babying his hamstring a bit, and he kind of alluded to it. it. It sounded like it wasn't serious by any means, and honestly, I've got him possibly winning by almost 100 kilos based on his current lift because his training's been going amazing. Um, he squatted 474 at the Arnold. Um, he just hit four, 462 for four and then squatted 501. Um, he benched 287 at the Arnold, hit 308 in the gym. 
Um, hasn't posted deadlift much, but I just assume that's progressing well. Maybe, or maybe that's the lift that's being bugged a bit by whatever this like small thing is. But even so, if he improves over what it, he did at the Arnold, it's going to be really, really, really hard for anyone to catch him. But I think Solana saw the same thing. As I'm going through this, um, I, I almost didn't research him, but fortunately I did. Michael McKinney. He's for, he's nominated at 1174 total, which is almost like 125 pounds off of uh, Waskar's total. I went and saw his training. His best meet squat is 430. He had a 475 squat. His best deadlift is 490. He had a 545 deadlift. If we're just taking those alone, it bumps his total up past anyone else's nominated total. Uh, he's made some serious progression. He's not in prime time. He could very well set the tone where everyone's chasing him. Um, that, that, I, I don't know much about him outside of just looking at his Instagram, but that was the, one of the bigger surprises in all the research I did is someone that was seemingly really not in the picture, but he is very much looking like, I, I, I've got him in second, just straight up. I've got him listed in second. Yeah, that was interesting to see. I have him listed as my third, but that was with me even saying, okay, what if he doesn't hit what he did in training on the platform and he goes down by like two and a half kilos from his best in training? So that's still a really good spot to be in. Um, the, mo- the main reason I put him in third is because I talked to Kurt Navarro, and even though he would not, he will not post his lifts. He was just telling me that like Arnold training, well, Arnold's was like a warm up for him. Mm-hmm. Everything moved well. He said things are moving very, very well into this meet, and he's expecting some decent, good PRs. That's pretty much what he told me. So I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah, he's going to have the deadlift. That's where Kurt has the benefit. We talked about that last year too. He has the benefit of deadlift um, that he's going to get to pull last. Um, and that's if you're looking at kind of, I got him and Kenneth Imperial pretty much neck and neck. Um, I got them both at a 1250 total. Um, that's where Kurt. We even talked about this last year where Kurt has the advantage because he has the biggest pull in this weight class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this would help. Uh, my predictions out last year was Kurt, uh, big pull, and then you know when I went, I think I found his page last year was doing research for nationals, and like that is a legit pull. Um, there's no question about it. And I know, I think I remember, you remember at the Arnold or after the Arnold, um, he just, I, mean, I think he flat out made the post like it was just a tune-up meet, getting myself ready for nationals. So. That's good to see. I actually I expect a bigger performance out of him. I actually have him my second as well. Uh, but I mean, and we're talking about Michael, not very familiar with the lifter, but this can be very similar to Waskar's case. Waskar was not really. I, I think it was a second meet, the Arnold, or something. It, it was it was a very early meet for him. I think I talked to him prior at the Arnold, and the dude could lift. You kind of just find your footing. Um, in these lower weight classes, you know, you find out, you, you find a sweet spot, you find the groove, you find some momentum, and you build off that. I, maybe Michael is gonna have a very similar experience like Waskar, where he's, he just finds a groove, finds himself into the top three, he's really filling his way out into powerlifting, or finding his way into powerlifting, and you get that, or possibly even second. Um, Waskar, though, I think is legitimate. I think, um, as far as 60 kilo goes, He's going to be there for a little bit. I think he'll eventually, as he gets a little more season, is going to be up in a weight class. But what I saw at the Arnold, really impressed with him. And he he put himself out to be a really early favorite. And I don't know if Kurt can. I think it's actually going to be close between Waskar and Kurt. 
but I don't know um, if Kurt has the uh, the squat or the, the the squat to really stick with him. I, I bench too, but yeah, I think I mean, the squat really is. Yeah, I'll just be honest. There. Kurt would have Kurt would have to really pull something out on squat because I mean, if Waskar pretty much does what he's doing in the gym on squat and bench, and then matches his Arnold deadlift. Kurt's going to have to make up over 100 pounds over his Arnold total, which mm-hmm. is a lot for a 60-kilo lifter. Yeah. And and I think last year with uh, Shahid, because he was, he was the, I mean, he was the winner of the what the weight class would be. Um, Shahid had the, had the big bench, too. So that kind of, yeah. the, the subtotal still separated Shahid from Kurt. Um, and, I mean, the, those... But uh, sixty kilos, you're getting into that six hundred, or you're getting into that mid five hundred and upper five hundred range with both Oscar and Kurt. Like Kurt's a damn good deadlifter; he's the best dead, deadlifter in his class. But Oscar doesn't have a baby pull on him. He's he's got a solid pull too. So I I think uh, a pretty well rounded lifter in the sixty kilo weight class is Oscar, and I'll put him on number one. I think we actually just gave our predictions just sporadically there. We were just kind of throwing in placings. Well, you go first then, Angelo. All right, I got, I got Waskar, Kurt, and Michael to round it out. All right, I think we're all going to have Waskar first. I'm just going to flip it. I've got Michael McKinney second, Kurt Navarro in third. I've got Waskar in first, Kurt in second, and Michael McKinney in third. Let's just see how he does. I know he's more of a wild card. And Waskar is cool to see because it's actually his third meet that he did, which is the Arnold. But he only started powerlifting in May of last year. So I feel like even though it's a short turnaround, like when you're that new, like you can still see like just more progress in a short amount of time because the new beginnings is still coming in. Yeah. And he's getting those because, I mean, like I said, he's basically hitting what he hit at the Arnold on squat for sets of four now. Mm-hmm. He's rapidly progressing. So, um, and I'm just going to notate that. The fact that I figured out Michael was in the running and I put him second. If he does get second, Michael, I better be your favorite co-host. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be a pretty good uh, that would be a pretty good uh, feather in your cap there. But uh, yeah, and a very what you said, Salon, about Waskar. Um, that's why I think he's got a. I mean, it's newbie gains, but it's really, really, really good newbie gains. You know, like people get the newbie gains, they put someone on our total, but his newbie gains are possibly a national championship. That's pretty damn good. Um, and that's why I think, like, six – I mean, you're going to grow. That's the reason why the populated weight classes are not 60 kilos and those the weight classes below it. If you're lifting weights, eating, you're going to gain, and then, you know, maybe 67.5 kilos is going to be his weight class in the future, um, which he's young, he's talented. I think we can see that. And speaking of 67.5, this is – I was going to quickly shout out the other 60s only because Christopher Castaneda, Castaneda, Nina, sorry, and Newton Chang, like, we had no info on them. Like, they don't post anything at all. At all. But they both came in with totals that are basically the same, 1218. And mm-hmm. Kenna came in with a 1229 total. So, like, those are also people who could just come out and possibly battling for, like, fourth, third. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Potentially. Well, very true. Yeah. We have Bruce Yang, Christopher, Newton, uh, Christopher Padilla, it, some of them I couldn't find any IG accounts or their privacy account. Bruce, sounds like he had a little bit of a hamstring injury. 
three and really hasn't posted much since. So there wasn't really anything to go off of. But yeah, I mean, if they, if they come and get top three, it wouldn't be shocking because again, this is, this is usually a, a young person's weight class for the most part, which means we tend to see a bit more rapid progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. Are we good to move on to the 67 and a half kilos? Yeah. I'm ready. All right. You guys are ready, but first I got to talk to you about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leftlarbros.com and get yourself the best powerlifting merchandise in the sport. I am currently wearing the Leflar Bros 110% collab tee. Uh, Solana, you get both of this too, right? Just like me. You get to use your yes, code sir. on both. Yeah. So this is one of the many shirts that they have that look fantastic. They have designs, collections, for days, they make you look good from head to toe. I'm actually wearing it's a backwards cap. I'm sorry, that's a that's bad on the sponsorship part. I should actually be wearing it frontwards. But dad caps, they got tank tops, they got great tees, they got joggers, they got socks. They make you look pretty from head to toe. Look good in the gym, outside of the gym, on the platform with their comp tees. They are well rounded. They are a fantastic company, and they sponsor. They help the sport. They just dropped a YouTube channel. They cover the sport as well. Their content from the Arnold was fantastic. Use promo code 2WL15 on any Leflar Bros merchandise. Also, they have two white lights merchandise still on LeflarBros.com, so you can go and um, check out some two white lights merchandise there as well. They have a lot of athletes competing at the Arnold. One being in this room, an affiliate with Solana Lewis. You can use promo code. Is that Solana? Or is that Solana 15? Left Lab Bros, Solana 15. One okay. tennis, Solana. Okay, there we go. All right, so that was a collab uh, code and with the collab shirt that I'm wearing. And do we have confirmation on Oric 15? I don't know. <laughs> DB said that can happen, but I don't know if he made it. Someone just needs to put it in and see if it happens. Yeah, see, see what happens. It might as well. Might, might as well just do I that. Say, I say the first person that gets puts in Orc 15 should get a free shirt. All right. Okay. How about they say fifteen percent? Or, or the, yeah, the first. Oh, I mean, I'll pay for. I'll pay for it. CB. I'll re. I'll, <laughs> I'll re. I'll. I'll re. I'll pay for it if you make Orc fifteen the first person get a free shirt. That's actually a fantastic. Uh, that's actually one of the best ad reads we've had. That's like the only time we've had a guarantee free purchase if you use that promo code. So go to leftlarbros.com. Follow me on Instagram for sure. Support the Leftlar Bros family. And now on to a very. Very interesting weight class, 67 and a half. So we got Daniel Clemens, who's one of the best lifters in the world, regardless of weight class, one of the best lifters in the world, but a lot of contenders in there as well. Uh, Morgan Garcia, Brian Lee, Charlie Yang. This is something to watch the entire time. No matter what lifter you're watching from the ones we mentioned today, you're going to be entertained. I agree. Go ahead. Okay, so like I said, I agree. Daniel Clements, like, I got to watch about the Virginia Pro, and it was an amazing performance, and he got that last 705 deadlift, which, which would have been incredible, but he had some up and down. So the strength is 100% there, and, like, I'm wondering, like, will he surpass that number if we can just get it clean? It would be insane. I think he'll probably easily surpass that. Cause that's seven, I, have him, I, I put down 705 because I honestly don't think he needs to reach past that. The fact is he's going to be the heavy favorite. I don't want to count out Morgan Aquino Garcia, though, because we did last year, and then he showed up and arguably had the best meet of any 66-kilo lifter at the time. Um, he really proved us wrong, did fantastic. His training looks like it's going amazing. 
With that said, I just, the fact Dan's training is just going as amazing. He already had a decent little advantage on him. The only thing is Dan just hasn't put together a full meet yet. Nationals last year wasn't the full meet he was looking for. If it, it the bobble on the third deadlift wasn't really, I mean, that kind of, uh, he, he the VA Pro wasn't quite what he was looking for. I know it was a little bit of a weird thing because he was in the first flight trying to battle against the guys in the second flight. That was kind of a weird little thing that was happening there. Dan, I honestly think, which would be insane, I think he can go a 740 kilo total at 67 and a half, which if he does that, he's the best 67 and a half, 66 kilo lift in the world. Probably bar none. I mean, we'll have to see. Joe Jordan's looking really good, but I, I don't think anyone else has 740. And I honestly think Dan, if he has a perfect day, and I think it's finally going to happen for him, probably can go 740. And if he does, it, it's going to be hard to beat him. He probably can even afford to miss a lift or two and still win. I've got Morgan at 1576. I wouldn't be surprised if he just blows it out of the water and pushes close to 1600. But even with that, giving Dan conservative bumps from what he did at the VA Pro, um, he probably would still be 30 or 40 pounds behind based off of what I think they'll be at. Yeah, I actually think Morgan, which you, this might be my hot take, I think Morgan, if he was still in 66 kilos, could podium at IPF Worlds. If you, oh, 100%. If, if he was, I, if he I, was the I don't American think that's a hot take. Yeah, because that's, we're, we're focusing on the 66 kilo lifters right now on the IPF side, with good reason, because you have uh, Joe Jordan who's killing it. He looks fantastic. I think he... Daniel and Bana are like the, the big things, even though it's weird because, you know, he's a kilo and a half up. That does actually make a difference. That's where I think, I don't know if Dan's going to plan on doing, I don't know if he's going to come in at 67 and a half kilos. He'll get a big advantage there because anytime you get spotted a, a kilo and a half, you're going to do better. Um, and I'll be more confident with his lift going forward, but I don't know if he wants to establish a precedent of, you know, Staying on par with Pana and Joe because they're competing within the same um, week. I might even be the same day. But Morgan can get overlooked at times because he's probably the second best lifter in America um, in this weight class, uh, representing America because Joe's representing the Virgin Islands. So I want to you know establish that. But Morgan's fantastic. He's a incredibly strong lifter. He really, he really put on a show last year at uh, nationals. I don't think a lot, we, including us, we did not expect him to get second. He got second. We were really high on Jonathan Garcia. He was able to beat Jonathan Garcia relatively handily as well. Um, and then on top of that, number three though, Brian Lee. Brian Lee. Me and Salama had the pleasure of watching his lifts. He was close to putting on a. Really, really impressive performance. One to get his pro card because he was right there, neck and neck with um, Jimmy Villanueva within the entire pro or the pro, entire amateur day. He had to compete prior to Jimmy Villanueva, um, but he he needed that last dead or he needed his, his second and third deadlift. Uh, he missed both of them with the same weight. And if he would have hit that, I don't think Jimmy Villanueva would have won. It was really the Brian Lee Jimmy Villanueva show at. Um, the Arnold uh, Amateur Day, and if he could figure out that deadlift, it's balance. He loses balance. He loses that lockout. Um, don't know if he needs a backpack in order to continue to hit deadlifts. I think he needs a pl- backpack on the platform um, in order to keep that balance. But if he figures that out, I think he's working with Joe Stanek now. He yeah. can he can find himself into a position there where he gets second. He is not a person to sleep on. He is a 
strong, strong lifter. And really, I was very iffy on him going into the Arnold. I thought some of his lifts in the gym were inconsistent, particularly the deadlift. But his other, like, he just seemed to be an erratic lifter to me. Looked like Arnold was a really good performance from him where he kind of disproved a little bit of that. Maybe with Joe polishing off some things, you know, fine-tuning some things, you can get a position here where he, you know, uh, gives Morgan a run. I think Dan has kind of pulled himself away from the pack just a bit there, but Brian and Morgan are, I think, really close on total. I agree. If Brian can get the deadlift down, he will be fighting for second place. However, I do know Steve saw this too. He's he like mentioned a hip tweak, and I yeah. don't know how that's going. And then I saw him pull a six seventy three deadlift after he mentioned the hip tweak, and it was a grinder, but he got it. But I'm like just wondering. I don't. I feel like he still hasn't figured out his deadlift. Like I feel like he still will be wobbling potentially. Doesn't look stable. Yeah, that was that was my biggest thing there, where I didn't project him higher because one, maybe he just posted that one. Uh, I did this prediction a while ago, so I haven't looked at his lifts in the last week. So if he just hit a 673, I did not see that. But, yes, he posted that. He had a little bit of a hip tweak, and nothing at that time he had posted was near maximal. And so I, I basically looked at it. I was like, if he could match, for the most part, his Arnold numbers but get closer to hitting that deadlift around, like, 660 or whatnot, that would be pretty good. But knowing Morgan, who's very consistent, good meet day executioner, I, I just don't know if Brian could quite push Morgan right now. Um, especially if the fact he's getting coached by Joe, if he can be more consistent with technique and meet day execution, especially on those deadlifts. Um, he's going to be pushing for those spots in the coming years. I just think right now, I really do trust Morgan's meet day execution. Um, I uh, was wrong last year, and I'm not going to allow myself to be wrong again there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Charlie Yang, um, we got the chance to commentate his meet at game day. Um, it was very much a sandbag meet. He was just trying to get a QT total to get into prime time, which he did. So he really didn't show his cards. I also know that uh, he had a little bit of a back tweak, I think, like two weeks out. So that's why they went extra conservative. But things are starting to ramp up now. Um, he just hit a pretty easy 485 squat, bench 308 at like 8 RPE. Um, and then he just posted, I think it was a 623 or 628 deadlift he just hit with more in the tank. So I definitely think he can make a probably almost over a 100-pound jump of what he did at game day. But even if he does 100 pounds, I still got him 50 to 60 pounds behind Brian. I've got Brian 50 pounds behind Morgan, and I've got Morgan about 50 pounds behind Dan. So I hope I am wrong in the sense that there's going to be a bit more uh, direct competition here. But if I am right, it solidifies these people pretty well in where they're at. Yeah, I think with Charlie Yang, I mean, that meat, you can't get anything off of it. Like, you can't. It was such a sandbag meat. Like, I, Charlie Yang's really hard to predict. Only thing I could predict with Charlie was six, seven and a half kilos. He's finding his way into it. He's finding his footing. He is a legend in the 59 kilo weight class. Um, he was, I think 2019 was kind of like running the show in 59s. Uh, six, seven and a half kilos, new weight class for him. He's finding it. It's. I think it's going to be a, a, a little bit of time before he's, I think, getting into a position where he's really challenging Morgan and Brian's totals. But at the same time, like, if he comes in healthy, and that was the it was, he had the injury bug for a while, and it, it didn't help that the injury bug kind of found its way back into the game day meet that we commentated. Um, but hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully he's able to, you know, climb within those rankings. Um, and... This might, I mean, this is a really fun weight class, but it might be, it might be boring with our predictions. I don't know. 
the, I am really flip flopping though between uh, uh, Brian and Morgan, but Morgan, Morgan, like you said, Steve, he's so complete. Also, I mean, if you just look at the guy, he's jacked as shit. That means something to yeah, me. He doesn't. He's, he doesn't have a weakness. He's yeah. got a good squat. He's got the best bench in the weight class. I want he's got that a good bench. Deadlift. I want his bench. That is a nice. <laughs> yeah, that is a I, nice bench. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's his 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 bench is. I mean, if and again, if you look at him, you could just say like, oh, big bencher. Of course, like he just has a ton of muscle on him. Um. I. He's. Ah, man. I don't know. I. I. I don't know. Um. I the one I, I'm trying to find something to add with this with this weight class. Daniel Clemenceau, to just to put the you know conversation back on him. He also has the overall standings to look at. This is important. Yes. Virginia Pro didn't give Daniel Clements and Austin Perkins the credit that they deserve because the Pro Series is on dots now. Daniel Clements would have got third on dots after Virginia Pro, and Perk would have got second. This is important because things are on dots. That actually sways things for Daniel Clements' favor, and if this guy continues to progress the way he's progressing because he just looks so dialed in and locked in, and I think he should really take this. I know there's a a president to establish with 66 kilos, but maybe you should just take a look at what's going to give you the best total, the best dot score, and let's give the big guys the run for the money. Because he already got dots Bob. I know Bob is on another level as his training right now, but it happened. If you're out dotsing Bob, you're said, within that competition, you're looking at a lot of money here. If I take... Because Bob posted his dots from the little SBD day he had or the week he had. I think it was like 570-something. If Dan was to hit the total I've got projected here, it would beat Bob by three dots points. So, yes. I think we're looking at the big three as Ashton, Bob, and Brandon Petrie. But Dan is very much in that. He very well could be the spoiler of the craftsmanship top three in regards to the men of the top three dot scores. Yeah. And he's probably the most likely to do that. Yeah, if I, I and a lifter like him, I I trust lifters like him. He's consistent. He has a monster total. I think the best sixty-six kilo lifter in the world. I know he's competing sixty-seven and a half. I think he's the best sixty-six kilo lifter in um, the world. If even if you take into account uh, Pana and Joe, um, he's he is. Someone who occasionally does get overlooked because I think the Virginia Pro really put a, I mean, a deserved spotlight on Bob and Petrie. But if it were playing by the rules that we have now, the spotlight would have been on Daniel Clements as opposed to Bob and Petrie. Yes, very I, much. All right, Solana, you want to kick it off? I think we're going to have a lot of shockers here. Yeah, um, so I'm going Dan Clements for first place. And then second, I got Morgan, Aquino, and then Brian Lee. I want Brian to have his day so bad, but I don't know if in this time, Steve looked at that deadlift. Like, it was just, 68 was such a grinder, and, like, he couldn't even hold on to the top. Like, it was a really fast lockout, oh. and I'm just like. Even if he has that deadlift, I don't know if it beats Morgan, so it probably wouldn't change my mind even if it was clean. Because I, I it's, it's less about thinking that Brian doesn't have the capabilities. I think Brian is incredible. I just think Morgan's. At a different level right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Merritt, Dan, Morgan, Brian, one, two, three. Uh, and also, and before I get my predictions out, um, if you're looking at that, Brian Lee, if he would have hit that, if he would have hit that deadlift, I think he would have been third overall the entire weekend at the Arnold. I think he would have put him at mm-hmm. a five forty nine dots. So that would 
I mean, that's including the Grand Prix. That's including the pro lifters, and he's not yet got that uh, pro card yet. I don't want to be a dick and underestimate Morgan again. I don't. I don't do think. it. I want. I, I want him to like me more than you. That's not hard. Um, <laughs> I'm just so uh, I'm so iffy on Brian's deadlift. It happens too often. He's got it. He's got to do it in competition once, where he hits that deadlift and doesn't miss his balance or grip. He just has to do it because Morgan. We've seen what he can do. It's fantastic. He's actually got a long break too. Last competition was 2021. So I think that's actually going to give him an advantage over Brian. I'm going to go Morgan second. I'm sorry if I'm boring. It's going to happen occasionally. And Brian Lee third. But this weight class is going to, I think, um, is going to open a lot of people's eyes uh, as far as like some of the best overall lifters go because the best overall lifter in the pro series could potentially be in a 67.5 kilo weight class. Yeah. And the thing I'll say to Brian is he is one thing away from probably hitting that 673 deadlift really plain. And that's some ammonia. I I don't know if he takes any. I don't know. I don't There's know no either. guarantee. I got to ask maybe Joe, but I know a great brand where he can get some ammonia smelling salts, and that is Obsidian. Boys and girls, go to HypeDust.com and get yourself some obsidian smelling salts. Have it before your squat, maybe your second attempt. Have it before your bench, maybe your second attempt. And deadlift for your second attempt. Wake you up, it'll it'll legit wake your... It's like a shotgun to the face sometimes. I think they have one titled that. It could be something along that line because they have a lot of different uh, smelling salts that ranges from strength. Uh, I tried them all at the Arnold. They hit you, they hit you hard. They give back to the sport. They sponsor the sport as well. Use promo code 2WL15 to get yourself the best smelling salts in powerlifting. If you are competing at Mega Nationals, have this with you. Make sure it's in your coach's fanny pack. Make sure your coach has it with you. Don't lose it in the warm-up room. Don't have someone take it from you. I think Tim Thibodeau took my Obsidian Ammonia smelling salts in 2019 Nationals. I have not got confirmation on that, but I think it happened, and that's why I missed my last deadlift. I am completely blaming it on Tim. He pot, I, I, That was the last person I gave it to, and I had to buy a new one. And the great thing is we have a great promo code for it now. 2WL15 for Obsidian Smelling Salts. And now, let's get on to the ultra, ultra competitive 75 kilo weight class. This is going to be possibly the most erratic of the weight classes. I think 75 and 90s where I don't know who's going to win. There's so this, many lifters, so many totals. This is going to be the craziest weight class in USAPL history. I'm just going to say it. Ooh, that is a hot take. And I'd agree with you. Now, straight up, we don't have that one anymore. We don't have Perk. Mm-hmm. That opened things up. That opened things up. I mean, frankly, we saw some people come back because it got opened up. Yeah. That seemingly weren't powerlifting anymore. Um. There legitimately is eight to nine people that could win this, and I wouldn't be surprised. I will guarantee 100% whatever our predictions are probably won't be perfectly correct when we're going to be wrong about something because there is so many people, one possible to win, and so many wild cards. That's the bigger thing. So many wild cards in this weight class. I, I Honestly, there's only one lifter in this weight class I trust to hit lifts. 
like fully 100% always executes. And then even like I coach Anas. Um, he's had a little bit of an issue on third attempt deadlifts. That's he's pretty well executed. He's he, he great at going eight for nine. Eric Lapointe is the only one that consistently goes nine for nine and hits his list. Anas is pretty close. Outside of that, we really, really are getting into a lot of people who are inconsistent. Um, I was going to be thinking Neil Asano was going to be high up here, but I guess he dropped out. I thought he was signed up and he's not in it anymore. But outside of that, I mean, we got Pug. We know there's always question marks there. We got Charles Okpoko, bombed out of the VA Pro on death. We got Joe Borenstein, went five for nine after seemingly what I assume was a difficult weight cut and just had COVID a week ago. We have Jacob Ramos. If you look at his gym list, some aren't convincingly to powerlifting standards, and I think he struggled with that a bit in regards to his last meet, where he didn't quite live up to what he was doing in the gym. We've got Kevin Tran. I'm not sure. I love Kevin, but I'm not sure he's ever hit a third attempt deadlift. Um, it's seemingly, no matter what, he misses a third attempt deadlift. He seemingly has infinite deadlift strength. It's just he never hits that third attempt. So, Again, I'm going, and then outside of that, we've got Deion Johnson, we've got Mark Frizzell, we got Nico Flores, we've got Michael Cole DPH, we got Juan Rios. All of those people could possibly put up a total that breaks in the top three, depending on the wild cardness of the rest of this weight class. It's insane. I fully agree with you. It's definitely <laughs> absolutely insane. Um, going through everyone, like, and I was even DMing you today, Steve, I was like, why is this person not your top? And I'm looking at everyone else like, oh my God, because this person's like, <laughs> his total is actually really, really close to it. So this is definitely my biggest wild card for sure. Like, I think we're all going to have very different predictions. I'm definitely excited to see Charles Opoco just because I was there to commentate while he bombed out of the Virginia Pro. But then as last meet, it seems like things got cleaned up in terms of depth for sure. And I looked at his squats like yesterday, and to me, I mean, they're front angles, but to me, Death looks like it's finally back to being there. And it looks like, I don't think he's being pushed Marcellus, but, like, Marcellus is pushing him in the gym, and, like, they train together, like, once a week, and he's not going to let him, like, BS in training. So I think that's yeah. very helpful. Well, I'm actually very so, curious well, I, who's – my point really quick. I'm very curious who's handling Charles because sometimes his decision-making – Marcellus's. Marcellus's. Now that actually does have a little bit of a factor in, you know, my prediction here because I do trust Marcellus with – he's handled people who I'm like, that person's erratic with attempt selections at times, and Marcellus has experience with attempt selections and making smart ones. So Charles – I think the, I think Charles' kryptonite is sometimes decision-making. In comp and in the gym, he is yep. one. He is arguably the most gifted lifter I've ever seen. Um, legend in the sixty-six kilo weight class. They're still chasing his numbers in the six, sixty-six kilo weight class, right? This is his record ever been broken, Steve? You're the you're the. Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think it has. I think. I b- believe that third deadlift from Dan would have broken it. Yeah. So. I mean, he was he was in Sheffield when it was first announced. Charles is just a, a brilliant, a highly highly acclaimed lifter, a massive amount of accolades. I like him in the seventy five kilo weight class as well. I talked to him at the meet he did in Austin. Didn't know he was doing it. Went there on a whim, and there it is. One of the best lifters in the world, one of the best 66 kilo lifters of all time, if not the best 66 kilo lifter of all time, is competing. And it just seems like 75 kilo weight class, don't need to take a big cut, don't need to worry about certain things, could train a little bit heavier. 
the meat looked really good for him. There's a few grinders on his list, but it was it happened long enough where I think you can recover for, from it and put together a total where he's going to be a top contender. So, yeah, um, that, that's at least my take on Charles. Steve. All right. Well, I figure we're just gonna, Charles is. I'm just going to go based off a nominee total. Charles is first. Um, I'll say that I, if Charles, in my opinion, was to hire a good coach because I think his issue has been some decision making in the past. I think he could compete with Perk next year. He has the highest ceiling in this weight class, no doubt. Now, with his meet he just did, it was obviously very recent, squat was an all-out grinder. I don't think he had another kilo in the tank. He did have a little bit more on bench and deadlift. And looking at his training right now, he just squatted 606. It was a little bit hard. He hit 375 in the gym with a little bit more in the tank. I, I don't see anything necessarily that says he's going to blow that out of the water. Not that he won't improve on it, but I'm saying, like, blow it out of the water, like, all of a sudden he's adding 30 or 40 kilos, and he's just going to make it unreachable for everyone else. I really think, obviously, I've done a lot of research in this class because I've got a NAS, and a NAS, I believe, is very much in the running to win this. I think 750 is the magic number here. Someone could go higher than that. I think some people could feasibly go 760, but considering it's nationals, it's national judges, there's travel involved, um, you're going head-to-head, and sometimes you got to be a little bit more conservative on some tip selection so you don't miss a lift. I think around 750 is the magic number. You're going to probably have to hit at least 750 to win it. Charles is definitely one of those. I would say Charles has the highest ceiling of any lifter. It's just the fact that he does have a little bit of a wild card aspect to him in the sense of squat depth and some other factors as well. Um, so I've got him at 1661. Next up would be Eric Lapointe. And as I already mentioned, I think he is the least of the wild card. He's really consistent. Can, can, not I, inter- really can I interrupt too- you for a second, Steve? So we have Eric Lapointe, big deadlift. He has had issues executing deadlifts. Last Nationals is a, is a point, and then also I believe at the Arnold, uh, the previous year, he, he had some issues hitting that deadlift. I think it is occasionally that hook rip he pulls with. I could be wrong, though. Yeah. He, 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 missed, has to he, lost extent, he usually ends up hitting his top end. That's the only difference. He, he kind of has hit his top end. Because, like, he, Nass Nationals, he missed, or no, the Arnold, he missed 666. He took it again and took a big jump. Nationals last year, he still jumped over his opener. So, yes, there, there's some factors there, too. So, I, yeah, I don't even want to say he's not a wild card as well. There, there's no one that's, like, a for sure thing that, like, is like a Taylor Atwood who goes nine for nine every meet and, like, you don't expect to miss. Yeah. Um, Eric, though, I think uh, Charles is in there too, is likely the most experienced in this situation. He's been in high level competition for a while. He's no, he doesn't post a ton. He has noted that his squat training, he's doing things he never thought he'd do. I don't know what that means, but squat is arguably his weakest lift in comparison in regards to the weight class. And he's saying he's doing things that he didn't think he could do. So I, I have to think he's making de- decent progress there. Um, and if I'm taking the numbers, I have him about right on par with Charles. I have Charles at 1661, and I have Eric at 1659, which I think is just over, I think it's like 755 or somewhere around there. Yeah, 755. I've got both of them at 755. Again, I think about 750 is the magic number. Do I expect both of them to do that? No. I, I'm uh, At the end, I'm actually going to explain the scenario I have in my head, because I think the only way we can actually make predictions in this weight class is actually like thinking out scenarios for, for the fact that, like, we're going to have to assume someone misses. Because if we don't, I have, like, four people tying almost. So, um, just yeah, do what I, I think do. Eric and Charles, I have them pretty much at the same spot. It's just who hit lists. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it can go so many different ways. It's going to come down to hit lifts, miss lifts. I really hope we see a lot of this. Is this is? I hope we see a lot of nine, like a potential, like everyone's seven for seven, eight for eight going into it. I just don't see it happening with the lifters that we have here. Um, I think someone can. I think someone can pull ahead here and go nine for nine. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I don't think we're going to get this uh, situation like. Um, the 83s last year where, you know, the top three people were eight for nine, nine for nine lifts. Um, I, I could see somebody potentially winning on going seven for nine. It could be one of those things where just miss lists all over the place and the, the, someone just jumps in right at the end. If that's the case, if people are missing lifts, Eric Lapointe is the guy to really do that because he's got that massive pull. Um, this is... Yeah, this way, this, this weight class, I really don't even know where to go. I, I don't know where to – Solana, can you help me out? I don't know where to, like, put my attention on because I'm looking at all these names here, and it's 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 cluttering all over the place. Yeah, okay. Well, realistically, I'm going to go more based off of, like, what I know about people. So, like, when I see Richard Cho, I'm like, you've been too – like, you've been – everyone's all over the place, but, like, he's a little too all over the place, so I'm not going to – count on your performance being there. Hopefully it will be. Um, when it comes to Charles, I feel really good just because he had the last meet, which was smoother, and he has someone that we know is a really good coach to be there with him on meet day. Like, that's, like, a big thing for me to know that. So I just feel like he'll be more consistent because he won't be silly with the temp selection. Mm-hmm. Um, moving down, other people. Anas, who is Steve's client, who he will not put any information on, <laughs> Um, which is annoying, but it's fine. What did I write about you? Okay, so he had a good, um, good last meet going eight for nine. So like you said, he tends to miss the last deadlift. Um, but I still have him going, I have him predicted at 1641, which is really close to like the 1650 mark that, that you said people need to be hitting. So my thing is, I know that Steve has you, has him ranked higher. So I wonder if he's doing better than I see because I saw, they hit a smooth squat triple like 402. Oh no. Yes. Hold on. Wait. Re-looking at this. Smooth reports. Yeah, 402 squat. Um, and then he, I'll move on. Can I confuse myself with my clutter? That's in here. But moving down. Okay. Jacob Ramos. I don't know what you guys know or think about Jacob Ramos, but he went six for nine at the last meet, which is also very all over the place. And then I see him like deadlifting with straps, and I'm just like, I just don't know if he can execute technical meet day. So yeah, yeah, he did. He did a gym day that was 606 squat, 419 bench, and 628 deadlift, and said it was all seven RP. I'm just gonna be honest, Jacob. I'm not trying to hate on you. The squat was high, I believe. The uh, deadlift was in straps, and then the bench was a short pause. And I, I, I might be misquoting here, but I feel like I, I when I saw, it, yeah, I put it. Bench was a short pause and Buck came up. Um, so it looks like a repeat of possibly some of the uh, disappointment of last meet is I think he's not lifting to the standard, and especially if he's going to nationals, lifting the standard is going to be there. The, the strength he has, if I'm taking gym numbers, could possibly win this. And if he can put that together on the platform, he could win. He's one of the people I have as a win that could possibly take this home. But... It's a wild card in the sense that I just don't see his gym list living up to it. Another person that honestly I think could win, and I, I'm going to take some credit here from Two White Lights. I think we may have helped convince Joe Bornstein to go to Nationals because he wasn't going to do Raw Nationals. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think we pressured him, and then he got a little uh, semi-GoFundMe together, and then he came. He went and competed at Collegiate Nationals. Um, he won Best Overall Lifter. I mean, had a in reality, had a great day. It was just below expectations, and I don't know if that was because it was the first Nationals, if it was because of the cut, because I do believe he cuts a decent amount and, and is thinking is likely going to be going up a weight class, uh, maybe even after this meet. That might be wrong there, but I thought I heard that somewhere. And maybe even the bigger issue, unfortunately, he just got COVID mm-hmm. like a week ago. And yeah. so he, I think he had to take a week off of training, and he's getting back into it. So because of that, I don't know how much progress he's going to make. It's more about can he execute better on game day because he definitely had more in the tank. He definitely had like two and a half to five more kilos in the tank on all those lifts in comparison to what I think he likely did based off if he peaked better and the weight cut didn't affect him as much. It's just can he put that together on a big stage as well as I I wonder who's handling him because this isn't just about who's going to be the strongest. It's going to be who about has the the best attempt selection and game day handling because there, there, there could feasibly be five, six, seven people pulling for the win. There could be some people who aren't even in contention possibly that don't look like they're in contention throwing on some random weight and trying to pull for the win a la almost like Trey Ricard versus Seth Dutuki style where like you think he's out of it and then throws on a weight hits it and all of a sudden pulls in the lead so Joe is right in there um, for a Nas all I'm gonna say is this training is going very well mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah um I in uh, with your last point there Anas and to give you a little scouting report slot I mean Anas is just a he's a he's a professional type of lifter. He's smart. He executes. He does things well. Him on meet day is just I know he has struggles with that last deadlift, but he's just a a good solid lifter you can rely on. All right, I guess I'm just gonna give my scouting reports too because what you guys said is fantastic, but still it's just like all over the place. I mean, Steve and Solana, like your explanations here, they're all the same almost. They're all the same to me. They have, like, there's not one person who's pulling ahead. There's always that one outlier. There's not one here. They're all, like, kind of the same lifter to me. I mean, they get to that total in a different way, but there's a the, the total there is just there's no disparity. It's not like if this person goes 9 for 9, that's it. It's over. That doesn't apply for this weight class. So I'll go from the top with the highest nominated total, Richard Cho. I'm going to say it. He should be an 82 and a half. How many times do we have to go through this? He misses weight at Virginia uh, at the winter wrecker. He goes in the last year at at Nationals, and immediately upon walking in the door, I'm like, he's going to have a bad meet. He's cut way too much weight. Take the Michael C. route. Go up to 82.5 kilos. That's where you're at. I don't like this idea of him going back down to 75. There was nothing wrong with his weight cut. He's just too damn big for the weight class. I could be eating a lot of words. This is m- m- possibly like the whole uh, journalist thing, like Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, where they, you know, you get on freezing cold takes. But that's what I'm seeing right now. Like, uh, the evidence is there, and I don't see anything in this training right now that's going to tell me he's going to blow people out of the water with his performance. Um, and I think that was a problem with just with that one year with Taylor Atwood, Michael C., Austin Birkins. It was during, like, during the aftermath of that, it was just clear Michael C. and uh, Ricky were too big. They were just too big in that weight class. They have to go up. Michael C. did it. I think Pug could do the same thing. I think it's hurting some performance, possibly leading to some injuries too. I don't know. And also just all over the place with training. Like, is he in it? Yeah. Is he not in it? I don't see anything in his training right now that he's within this realm of 
you know, Charles Apoco, Eric Lapointe, and the other higher nominated totals. I just don't see it. So to touch on Pug, I don't know what his current weight is. Obviously, if there is something, he looks being smaller. 75, he looks, he, lo- he looks, he, when I met him, he was bigger than me. And I'm an 80, I'm an 80, I was an 83 kilo at the time. He was bigger than me. He looks so, a little bit more the part this time. I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and the fact that it's 75 and let's say he's lighter. Even so, he just started training seriously again. Now it's going well. I think, I think he could viably repeat his best performance, which was, I believe, 2019 Raw Nationals, a 742 and a half kilo total. But I don't think that's enough to win. I, Do I think Pug is someone that is in the running to win? Yes. But I think people need to miss because again, I, I just don't see him being at 750, including all the variables. I would love to say 740 to 745 is my high end for him. He could prove us wrong. Maybe his weight is down, but that's where I think he can very well end up. And if he does, I just don't see that being the top end. And honestly, that brings up the next person that is in the same situation as Pug, not the weight cut, but someone coming back from 2019 that seemingly came out of nowhere and is competing again is Kevin Tran. Kevin. Hmm? Yeah. Kevin, on paper, should win this. He just squatted 595, decently easy. He just pulled 683, I think, today. On paper, he sh- he should possibly win this. The issue is, is we've seen this over and over where the gym lifts are crazy and it doesn't translate to meet day. I mean, he he just did a, a meet just to qualify for this and he still missed his third deadlift. I would love for him to see to finally hit that high 600 deadlift. It just never happens. Yeah, yeah, and on top of that, like I know, um, I think they're trying to get the little, you know, the 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 fire back in 2019 where the 74 kilo lifters were the, the talk. It was on King of Lifts. They had their, you know, their little thing that they do. Um, I think they're trying to get that back with Richard and Kevin. I think Kevin is definitely my favorite within the two to actually like do something at this meet. Um, I if I'm putting stock into someone going podium, it's definitely Kevin. Uh, his I mean it was a sandbag meet, but he did miss his deadlift. You are right about that. But in the gym right now, everything's looking great. His squat and bench are looking very good, and it's going to come down to that deadlift. But I think even with a missed deadlift, he can find himself within a podium position. Um, I, I, if there's a, if there's a little, uh, rivalry between the two, maybe just trying to hype it up for social media and to get people more interested, I'm taking, you know, Kevin on this one. I just think he's the more complete lifter right now. Um, I, and, and that last meet was way more promising than, you know, what I've seen from Pug. I think it's good. If he could repeat his performance from 2019, that is a huge, huge win for Pug. That would be that. I think that would be massive for him because of how poorly last year went, and then the year. I mean, and then the meet prior was a tune-up meet, but at winter record he missed weight. Like, it, like all these things are. I mean, if he can match that performance, that'll be fantastic. Uh, talked a little bit about Charles Poco, Eric Lapointe, massive pull on him. Uh, consistent lifter. Um, you know, he's very similar to me. He's going to give up some ground on bench, but he's got he's got a good enough squat and deadlift to really take that. If people start missing lifts, if you start seeing erratic meets, then that's big-time advantage towards Eric Lapointe. Um, he could put on something to win. Joseph Bornstein, he, I think, right now is a victim of youth. 
I mean, just getting out to Vegas, I know, is a difficult thing for him just with the funding. Um, and also probably Illinois, too. I mean, the, we don't know the variables that he has to play with, but I know right I, – I got to talk to him for like 30 seconds, and I really wanted to talk to him because he's an incredibly impressive lifter. He had to leave. He had to go and catch a flight. He had, like, the flight the next morning. So he had, like, one night in Lombard, and then, boom, he was gone. He was like a shadow. Just goes, puts on this incredible performance in, in teen, and then has to leave. So that could also dictate someone's weight cut. That could dictate someone's performance, a quick travel, a hard travel, and especially someone who cuts weight like him. Brady talk, talked about Anas. He's a just a good, solid, reliable lifter with a huge bench. What a bench on him. Um, he's the uh, definite bench king of this weight class. Him and Deion Johnson are fantastic benchers. Um, it, it's going to come down to his subtotal. Interesting, interesting note that I'll say, because I'm thinking of it now, likely no one in this class is going to have a chip. The only one that I <laughs> yeah. think maybe even close is a Nas, but even him, I'm just going to say it, I don't think – I mean, Taylor Atwood's God, records still count. God damn Taylor Atwood. was chipping <laughs> No one's chipping that shit. So there's no there's no chips on the table here. Yeah, which makes it even more interesting. Yeah, exactly. It's not. Yeah, it's. <laughs> oh god, uh, that that's his no. Yeah, his numbers really. I don't see any of those any lifters really hitting it. Um, uh, yeah. So it's it, he's gonna get hurt when it comes down to the deadlift. Just in general, his leverages are definitely within the subtotal range. Squat and bench. Um, Jacob Ramos, uh, actually me and Michael Cole DiPietro, um, you know, good friends. We've been talking about this for a while. If we, he just replicate his shit in the gym, he's, he's, he's like very like, uh, very similar to Kevin Tran here. He's up there towards the best. He's up there one and two. Um, don't know if he can do that. And I think the issue is just him doing it. Um, I think it's one of those things where we say it enough times, like, okay, do it. And we haven't seen it yet. So it's hard to put that much stock, but we can all agree his gym lifts are, so so damn good. Uh, Deion Johnson, strong lifter, maybe should be in prime. Actually, nah, there's a bit of a cutoff there for prime time. Um, fighting into podium position again. He's a big subtotal guy, big bench on him. I think the deadlift is where it's going to hurt. And then Mark Frizzell, um again, again, solid lifter. I think possibly the 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 goal, the end goal for him should be within the top three, like the, the podium position. Um, don't know if that's there for him, um, but he's a, a lifter who's showing really good improvement. I think he could uh, definitely be in there. I think he fits within the weight class. Nico Flores, sandbag meet in Hawaii. Uh, aside from that deadlift, uh, he, I think he gave everything he had on that last deadlift. Um, I think his top end w- would be in the top five or three. He should uh, that should be this focus. I don't think I don't think he really thinks he's in a position to total something at seven fifty. Michael Cole Di Pietro, love the guy. We're big fans of Michael Cole Di Pietro on the podcast. Um, I don't know what's going on with his training. He usually does this. I don't know what's happening with him. Um, a solid, reliable lifter. Um, got a pretty. I mean, I think it looks like it's going decent. It looks like it's going decent. He posted today that probable openers, and I did some little calculations based off of openers and what he might jump. It led to like a 730 kilo total. Yeah. Which will be on par with the USDA lifts. Which would be good. It wouldn't, it probably isn't going to win it, but it it could be up there if people are missing lifts. Possibly podium. That's what I think Mark, Nico, and Mike are within a position, and Dion, uh, too, within a position to podium. That should be their goal. Um, is to get themselves in position to podium. Um, I, I think there is a little bit of a cutoff there between those, uh, between those lifts. So, I mean, I just gave the scouting report, and I'm more lost than where I start exactly and, like, where to even predict these. I might just do the thing. I'm going to close my eyes 
like I told you with last year with the 83s, close my eyes, and who do I see winning? If I just close, who would fit to win? Well, do you want me to go first? Because I'll, I'll explain my exact scenario of what I think is going to happen from I, the top three. I want to hear this uh, scenario because I don't think I went first yet. But okay, I'll let you I'll have this it. one. <laughs> I got my top three as being a Nas, Charles, and Eric. Charles is going to be the first third attempt pull. He's going to hit it. Anas will be the second of those three will be the second to pull. He will hit his third deadlift and pull in the first. That will force Eric LaPointe to probably have to put on something big and Eric will miss. So that means Anas first, Charles second, Eric third. That's, that's my little simulation I put in my head to be able to decide this. Okay. Me or you? Uh, you can go. We're gonna get different. We're gonna get different. All right. The so time. I say Charles Okoko takes first. I think he makes prior attempt selections. He gets flipped. I say second place is Eric Lapointe, and then third I went with Joseph Bornstein. Ooh. All right. Uh, I would love to see Joseph Bornstein in there for sure. All right. One, two, and three. I. Close my eyes and see Eric LaPointe winning. I see it. I see Eric LaPointe winning. Second place, I'm gonna have Charles Opoco. I think I think if he matches and stuff, there's I think I think one to two really is his range there. And third, I'm gonna have Anas Anbar as my third place lifter, which will be very good for Anas uh, to get himself in podium position. And then with that, when you see our predictions here. We all have different first place winners. We have people kind of like uh, Steve doesn't uh, has Eric any, point third. I have him you can first. Put, <laughs> I have yeah, third. You can put anyone anywhere, and I'd be fine with it. And I couldn't argue it. Like I, I, I can't argue any makeup of like eight people in the top three. Yeah, I just got to give I got to give credit to the to to the deadlift specialist on that. Like. In a in a weight class where there's a lot of potential of mislifts right now, um, you Eric Lapointe can it benefits the most off of lift, mislifts, you know, and and also he doesn't have the issue with just having a, a mammoth like Taylor Atwood pulling. He 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 is the big puller, and for a while he was the big puller in 74 kilos, and. Um, I think that'll benefit him. And again, and we're talking about this weight class, and the two biggest hitters aren't there: so Taylor Atwood and Austin Perkins. Like this, this weight class is wide open. And occasionally, you get this like conversation of it's not that compelling of a of a matchup. It's not that compelling. These are still like this is the deep. I think this is deeper than IPF Worlds, as far as lifters go. Oh, hundred. So I think so too. And this like it doesn't. Yeah, I mean. It, Take out Taylor Atwood, yeah. it's deeper than IPF World. So Taylor, I, I, I don't know if I, I mean, I probably brought this point up on the show. Taylor Atwood and Austin Perkins have put a shadow on this division, such a large shadow over this division, that we're not appreciating what we're seeing right now. These are the world's best 74, 75 kilo lifters if Taylor Atwood and Austin Perkins don't exist. Like, and that's how big of, uh, of outliers and anomalies they are. They are just so, so ahead of the pack that it's, like, everyone gets overlooked. Now you get a little bit of that shine, and people are like, oh, a 750 kilo, 750 kilo at 74 kilos is still amazing. I mean, what did, um, what did Erickson get last year at IPF Worlds? Was it 740? 
Uh, it was something in that range, right? It obviously, it wasn't seven twenty. Uh, no, seven twenty-seven point five. Oh, so, boom! All right, so right there. So we're talking about guys who are who. If you put this in IPF Worlds, this is better than the the defending IPF World Champion, right? So I, I will say I pulled up the nominations. It's probably about if you take out Taylor, it's about dead even. The top nominated person at IPF Worlds is seven fifty. Albeit that's a Cameroon lifter. A lot of times those are not true. It's about dead even. Like th- this would be just as competitive, if not more competitive, than IPF Worlds if you remove Taylor Atwood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like th- that's um, always o- always something. I mean, right now, like I-, I have debates about this. I think. A weekly about you know the seventy four kilos and someone taking like oh you know do you see what the nominated totals are right now I'm like they're they're really good still that's how good Austin we're talking about potentially some of the two best lifters in you like powerlifting history they're doing things that are not they they people thought it was impossible for seventy four to total eight hundred and that's what Perk and Atwood did and Atwood. I don't think anyone expected what he did at Worlds last, or at Nationals last year. It made absolutely no sense. Um, yeah. Uh, I tell you what does make, make sense, though. Wait, hold on. You just fucked up my segue, but continue. <laughs> I said I was going to give one more take, that this class is the most likely for someone to get pissy and call us out on their story. Yeah, I actually you know what? I think me not putting Kevin Tran for third, I think he might do it. I hope he, does, I hope he doesn't do it ironically now, but we, we just – did it. I wanted to ask, is, is Kevin doing a big cut? No. I don't know. Um, so sure I, I talked to Stan. I, I, all right. So my memory is 2019. Really hard to remember that. I thought someone told me that he does take a big cut and he's a bigger dude. Um, but Joe told me his, his cut was good. It's like, it, like we didn't have to do much for, uh, the media did in Houston. So. That's good. I mean, I think everything you saw in Houston was it was an incredible sandbag, and it was still a seven ten total. I think he can put thirty kilos on that total. It was between Anas and Kevin for that last part there. Um, I mean, really, I, I I could change it and put Kevin. I probably wouldn't be wrong, but you know, Anas, it, it's it's hard. This is this is the weight class because I think Kevin can can definitely get third here. I don't think he was a snub like he was saying. I don't know where the fuck that came from. <laughs> I don't know where he got on his thing and started. You guys watch the primetime selections, dude. You had a seven ten yeah. total. How the hell do you think you're going to be in primetime based on nominations? Like what? Yeah. Hit your last deadlift and you would have been in primetime. You would have been good then, but you didn't. So I don't know what the snub is. You ain't. He the only person saying he was a snub was him, yeah. and like maybe his friends. It was like, what are you? I was about to say, I saw one friend comment too, and it was potentially his girlfriend. I think his girlfriend said he was, which is a great girlfriend move, saying he's a snub. But yeah, this is the weight class that will probably oh, a pug will probably not appreciate what I said, or at least say something back at what I said that he's an eighty-two and a half kilo lifter, and he is. He's too yeah. damn tall and too damn big. Just be eighty-two and a half. Could be with the big I'm boys. Curious. I was gonna say Kevin Tran and Deion Johnson. Johnson, they're both not in prime time. I'm curious if like they'll have better attempt selection and somehow end up with like a really good day because like there's no pressure of everyone else's number. Potentially, like we don't. 
primetime, like I said last episodes or the previous two episodes, it, it could it could be a crapshoot. We don't know. It could hurt people's performances. You, I, I think, I think Kevin Tran would actually benefit being on primetime. Dion Johnson, I don't know, will because he doesn't have the big pull. Like Kevin has a pull on him. Uh, Dion's a big subtotal guy, so it can benefit him. Just like I'm gonna go out there, put my best foot forward. You know, compete with the guys within a session, and even the guys are competing in a session. Mark, Michael, Nico, Juan, good lifters compete in the uh, early session that could possibly, you know, if you do well enough, can get you into a top five position. So, you know, there's something there. I I think Kevin though would benefit being on prime time, but yeah. he didn't. He, what I'll what I'll say is it you could probably get top three outside of prime time, but I think it's about darn near impossible to get first. No, because yeah, it, everyone knows what they have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You get, do you guys remember watching Mark Frizzell at Virginia Pro? Yeah. I'm my favorite one of my favorites to watch. Like he grinds everything. Yeah, I saw it's his just so fun. six sixty one pull today. Nice grinder. And that's like normal for him. Yeah, I, I haven't like, had a lot of experience watching him. I was competing at Virginia Pro and then Arnold, I think I was competing the same day he was competing. So just uh, yeah, he became one of my favorites because he grinds every single attempt. <laughs> all right, so is he the is he our version of Pana or is he a little more polished than Pana? Ah, he's not quite Pana. That's just fun to watch. I mean, that's just like we're still here. Oh my god! I, I don't. I <laughs> you and I have different different definitions of fun. I get. I think your fun is my. Oh, okay, okay, he's got it. Good. I thought he was going to die there for a second. Good thing he had a spotter. Yeah. All right. Well, I can tell you what is fun. <laughs> Stoic. Go to lift on nets. I had a pretty good segue earlier, but Steve kind of interrupted me, but he had himself a good take. But Stoic, go to lift.net and get yourself the best powerlifting gear in the sport right now. So, the singlets, the wrist wraps, the knee sleeves, they're all quality and they're also affordable as well. Best bang for your buck is Stoic. Use promo code ANGELO10 and it becomes more affordable. I work Stoic in the gym and on the platform because it is quality. I have not worn anything else since I got my first Stoic care package. I have not gone to anything else and there's a reason for it. It's quality. It's fantastic. Also, I look good in black and white. Use promo code ANGELO10, go to lift.net, and save yourself some money. Get yourself some stoic gear. And now, on to the 82.5 kilo weight class. Lots to talk yep. about here. Steve, are you, are you sitting out this are one? You, are you Are you allowed to give No, I've anything? got I've got a strong prediction for Sean. Do you want me to go right into my strong prediction for Sean? <laughs> and that was a tongue twister, but yes. My strong prediction for Sean Noriega is he's going to, at minimum, set a 5-kilo deadlift PR over last national. He will at least hit 80 kilos or more. I was about to say, I'm like, he's about to like, he will do better than his last national meet. Guaranteed, hands down. That's what I thought you were going to say, and you pretty much did that. I yeah. like that, Steve. That's that my bold nice. prediction. It is if bold. If he doesn't, you're fired. <laughs> I would, yeah, maybe. That... I mean, hopefully that doesn't come back and you have to eat crow, right? That would be super unfortunate. That'll be that something bad happened if that's the case. But uh, all right, I mean, all right, the weight class that people are—I mean, people are always excited about. You have the face of powerlifting, in my opinion, 
the face of powerlifting, Russ Orhe at the top, highest nominated total. Was he? He's a four-time national champion, correct? Did I get that wrong? Four, three, yeah, three, I think four. four. Okay, so a lot. Um, he is uh, the goat in this weight class. He's dominated his weight class. He's dominated the world's weight class. Two-time world champion as well. He's Russ Orhe. You can't say much more about Russ Orhe. We're going to get a little bit deeper into what's going on with Russ Orhe later, but just based on you know early scouting, that's what uh, Russ Orhe does. The perennial number two is Sean Noriega. So he has finished second. He's been behind Russ, but he still has – he's still – even with 82 and 83s, he's the second best in the world, um, in my opinion, regardless of what you know uh, Delaney or Tim d- does at Worlds. You got John Gruden in there as well, the international man of mystery. We never know what the hell he's doing. He has an incredibly demanding job being the strength and conditioning coach for the Las Vegas Raiders. Doesn't post anything on social media. His total can be anywhere from 900 to 800 based on what people tell us. Um, we have a little bit better of an idea now what John Gruden does based on Nationals and Arnold. Like, we know his range. I don't think, cause last Nationals, we were like, he might total 850. We don't know. People are telling us yeah. that he's deadlifting like 720 and squatting 720 as well. That's not the case. Um, I think we have a pretty good indication of John Gruden. Uh, we have a loudmouth asshole at fourth. Um, we, <laughs> oh wait, Kyle DeLeon's not fourth. Uh, it's Angelo 14. Oh, I'm joking, Kyle DeLeon. I love you. <laughs> uh, and then David Chan, Kyle DeLeon, Michael C., Jimmy Villanueva, which will be prime time. And then Mike, and then one of my favorite people in the world, Lucky Luciano, Alex Lucco. So, Solano, where do you want to start with this one? This is a lot. Mm, okay. So we have to start with Sean and Russ because it's been years of this, right? So, Russell goes in, Sean comes in, and it seems to be like Russell can put it together on meet day, and Sean does not, right? So what's going to happen this year? Um, I pay attention to both their YouTubes and their Instagrams. We know that Russell at the moment is dealing with some adductor groin issue, but he's still being able to push some of his training. Looks like he tweaked that again, but it looks like he should be able to compete. And it seems like he's only going to compete if he feels like he can go in and win. So I feel like if he stays on the roster, that's because he believes he can put together the meat that he needs. Um, so fingers crossed, I'm going to act like he's definitely going to be competing. I think he will. And then we have Sean. Training is looking really, really good. Now, my personal opinion is that Sean's mental has always been one big thing that's messed him up on me day. And a big part of him not putting it together. Right? So, I again, I watch his YouTube. It seems like he's a little more calm now and not letting powerlifting take over every single inch of his life, which seems to be really good for him. And I think that alone can help him on meet day a lot more. Because, honest to God, I think if he can mentally just put it together, he'll be fine. Mm. So, that being said, I'm not sure who's going to take it. I'll give my prediction later on. But those are definitely the top two to talk about besides everyone else who's still amazing. Of course, you have John Gruden, and we don't know exactly what he's going to do. But we got to watch him at the Grand Prix where he killed it. Um I don't know if y'all heard this. There was another podcast. I don't know if you mentioned our podcast names in here, so I'm not going to mention the podcast. But another podcast talked about how John Gruden literally 
didn't wasn't even paying attention to num like to everyone else's numbers. He just wanted to hit a certain total for himself, mm. and he hit that total. Like he didn't care about what the person behind him was doing or the person in front of him was doing. So I'm like, hmm, did you have more in you? And like you just decided to do this because you felt like it. Like that well, just well, no, he didn't because he missed two lifts. <laughs> so that was his goal yeah, the, was the only one he had. He maybe had a little more in bench, but he did not have more in squat and deadlift. Yeah, he missed them. Okay. So, no, I, I, I mean, just on that, I talked to John. He wanted to total eighteen hundred, and then like, all right, so it was, I, it was, yeah, it was King of Lifts that said this, and I was listening to it like, okay, because he mentioned like, oh, Angelo was sitting there probably put, putting in the numbers. I'm like, well, no, he told me he was totaling eighteen hundred, and I'm like, okay, I got to total more than eighteen hundred. Right, like that would like his his goal was like his goal was eighteen hundred. I'm like, okay, obviously my goal would have to be higher than that. So like it didn't really. He has the you know he want and he wanted to get it with his second deadlift and he did, but that was really all he had left in in him. Um, and I I mean I mean all right. So let's let's start with the the main two though. I I guess I'll I'll go with uh, the uh, with Russ and Sean as well. Um, Steve, I don't know what, you know, you're going to allow yourself to say because this is, this is how this I'm probably just going to stay out of this one last year. I talked too much last year. I'm just letting you all I talk don't, about this I one. I feel like you didn't. I feel that was more Johnny yeah. Candido. I think Johnny Candido did. And then everyone who like agreed with Johnny got sucked into that take and that weird fucking profile picture change that really, I think was the cherry on top of the, the Sunday, but I'll talk. I, I mean, I'll talk about it. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm competing with it, so I guess I can talk about it. <laughs> um, Russ or he and Sean. People have been messaging me on two I lied to myself. They're like, why are you continuing to bang this tired-ass drum? We've seen this before, and it always ends the same way. Russ or he for Sean Noriega. Russ or he wins. Okay, I understand that. Last year at Nationals... When I found out that Sean uh, tweaked his hamstring, wasn't able to compete, I was kind of like, you know what? When, when is it over? When do we start looking at someone else? Is is the the opportunity pass? And just like in Godfather Part Three, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Sean Noriega is doing that. Objectively speaking, his training is going much better than last year. You can't deny that. Things are looking really good. Last year, they looked really good, too. This year, they look just as good, if not better. And people last year were like, I think Noriega, with a really good day, can beat Russ Orhe. And I was one of them. I still predicted Russ to win because it was more so I think Russ's top end is better than Sean's top end. I usually err on the side of that. But it is not a non-storyline. It is not something we shouldn't focus on. Look at what's going on. Nori is hitting PRs. He looks fantastic. Things are going well. How are you not going to say it's going to be the same scenario? Also, last year with our predictions, we said 840. That's what it took to beat Russ in 840-845 range. That's what it took to beat Russ. That's what Russ totaled, 843, with a missed deadlift on top of that. We were not off as far as saying what the desired total would be. It's still close between them if you're looking at a certain range. Now you're looking at Russ, whose training is taking a hit because he's not 100%. He said, I think, is he 85%? He'll go at Nationals. I think that's what he said on his YouTube. Um, I was actually at Corrupted while I think he was 
filming a YouTube, and of course my ear was like kind of like inching in closer to his mouth as he was doing, you know, his uh, intro, and that's what it sounds like. This is a potential for Sean to beat Russ. Now, there's going to be an asterisk if, say, Russ is clearly hurt on the day. People are going to talk, and I, I don't think it's fair because people compete hurt. I think Russ well, right now can't compete. This. Continue. Is Sean not had an? You could. I mean, I'm not discrediting Russ by any means, but you could say the same for Sean every year for like the last three years. Yeah, he's oh, hurt no, the last two nationals, and then he screwed up the salt thing. And no one gives but him yes, really the excuse, I, right? No one really gives. No one gives Sean the sympathy. You know, if he if he fucks up, people tell Sean that he fucked up. Um, and it's and he's. I mean, he can't really. It's hard. It's a hard situation to be in, right? Because like, okay, I tweaked my hamstring, but. People are going to say that I made an excuse, which is just, it's a shitty situation to be in. And this is like the influencer fucking weight class. Like, people are glued to Sean Noriega and Russ. They're, they're glued to what they do. They love those two lifters. Um, but, I mean, saying that this is a non-storyline this year is, is preposterous. This is a storyline, especially when Russ, I don't think, is going to come into the meet 100%. Right now, his training does not look as sharp as it did last year. And this is... I. Sean, I, Sean has a very good chance of winning here. It's just, it's there. Like, you can't ignore it. If you're ignoring it, you're insane. Because I think there's a total here that Sean could hit that will beat Russ. Um, it's, it's, it's still, it's still close. It's still a storyline. And Sean Nori, and Nori's trainings looks really good. So, yeah. That's just, I mean, with the, with the lead here, one and two. Um, Steve, do you want to maybe talk about three and four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? Because <laughs> there's a lot here. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll I'll give my quick opinions on Russ and Sean. Russ is Russ. I don't yeah. care if he's not a hundred percent. He can still come in not a hundred percent and still do something incredible. So yeah. I fully expect that. Considering it's seven oh five on squat, think- uh, not a hundred percent, right? Like that's a no- like a thing I want to note. He's still hitting crazy numbers, like. 738 deadlift, even though he missed grip, 738 deadlift, 705 squat is amazing. My prediction on Russ is I think he could very well match what he did last year. If he could go like 840 to 845, I think he very well could do that. I I think based on how training is looking, it would be hard to predict he can beat that. But I think he can very well do that again. And if he does, that means he is very much in contention to win. And it's on Sean to be able to execute. Um, The one thing I'll say is... this is I, people say this is biased. If Sean was to beat Russ and Ross isn't a hundred percent, I do not think there should be an asterisk if Sean beats him and totals more than Russ has done at his best. Oh, of course, of course, that, that's course. where I think there, there right. can't be an asterisk. Yeah, but if continue. if he beats Russ and they both total less than Russ did last year, then I think you could. I I, I can't deny it. People will say, well, if Russ was healthy, he could have won. But yeah, that's just that's part of the thing. It's going to be interesting. I mean, it's like you said. If people thought Sean could beat him last year, they should definitely think this year because it's probably in a better situation. But at the same time, I can't fault anyone, like from what Solana said, as saying that Sean hasn't showed up. Russ does. I'm not going to bet on Sean. He's got to show up. He's got to show up and do it. That's the only way to be able to prove it right. So, uh, John versus Angelo, round three. Obviously, we don't know what John's going through. We don't know his training. I honestly think it would about uh, 
if he can about do what he did at the Arnold, if not chip it a little bit, that would be good. I mean, there was rumors that maybe he tweaked his adductor a little bit. I don't know the, I don't know the validity of that. Just like we, we know he probably didn't deadlift and squat like 720 for reps, like supposedly the, 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 the mists have said it sometimes in training. I will say Angelo's training has looked notably better going into nationals than it did the Arnold. Um, the Arnold, you were definitely dealing with that hip issue. Um, it, I don't know if you're still dealing with it, but if you are, it doesn't seem to be affecting you as much. Squat looks really solid. Um, your 727 from last week was maybe the best 727 I've seen you pull. I know you said you weren't as happy with like the 730-something you pulled this week, but either way, deadlift looks good. And then bench, I didn't really feel like that kicked in until like the last like two weeks before Arnold. Like it was like all of a sudden boom it clicked. You're clicking a little sooner there. You hit 357 and it was pretty solid. So I very much think, I mean, rooting, I have at 1808. I put Angelo at 1809 because I have Angelo taking that one pound chip to be able to beat John. Um, I just think that's where it's trending. Yeah, I'm probably biased because I am in a somewhat romantic relationship with Angelo, so I do tend to to side with him. Um, but that's here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, again, we don't know what John's doing. I can't predict anything with John. I see better training from Angelo, and even with the not so great training lean in the Arnold, uh, Angelo was in it. You you were in the running. You took a shot at that last poll, wasn't quite there. Um, I, I see it very much being possible that Angelo takes it here. Uh, especially because bench, I think, is going to be better, um, as well as I think, again, I don't know why this isn't being announced, but I think there's going to be better variables for benchers at the Nationals, from what I have heard through the grapevine. And also, I'd like to point out, it's not a rule change for people messaging me. It's not a rule no. change. It's something else. Um I'm, but, we're about to announce it soon if USAPL well, does it. Because yeah, I have I very, I have very strong information that's happening. You gotta have USAPL better announce it soon. Yeah, you just gotta tell people just so they know. But again, we're gonna get these so, random DMs. Uh, I'm giving it two more weeks before, or I'm giving it about a week and a half before I just announce it myself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Solana, any takes on, uh, me first Gruden? Cause I don't like, yeah. I don't wanna say, I fucking, it's weird. That's okay. So pretty much similar to what Steve is saying, like your training looks like it's going better. Your I thought your deadlifts looked good. I know you were happy with it. It stuck at some point a little bit, but I thought it looked good. Um your bench is trending back up. At one point it was trending down. So I'm like, okay, I think you'll at least like get two and a half keys above what you did. Um probably more than that. But like we'll see. Um with your bench press from the last meets. And squat is looking strong as well. Um, when I put all numbers together, I do, I did just kind of like throw Gruden, okay, like let's say you get two and a half keys on each lift, which you might, I don't know. And if he does, I do have him still out totally, you barely. Mm-hmm. All right. Pretty much it. Well, that's fair. I mean, the Arnold is a pretty good scouting report to look at. You know, John Gruden beat me that day. He was better that day. And... Yeah, I think it's still really close between us, and really we don't have a quick turnaround. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not my mistake. We do have a quick turnaround. So I, what I've said in the past, like when you have 12 weeks, I think that's what it was—12 weeks—the turnaround from the Arnold to Nationals. You're not gonna get a whole lot of surprises, I think, from the both of us. 
I think you're going to see relatively the same total, uh, potentially some fixes here and there. I think John's bench has improved. Even though he's got a monster bench, and it's improved from na- Nationals to the Arnold, and I think he could put something on. Um, and, I, again, the rumor with his adductor was just something that was passed along to me. Um, it came from a, a, a person who I trust, but, again, like, who the fuck knows who told the person that? Like, it's a – I would put, like, 30% stock into that um, – uh, on that too, um, yeah, and I guess the, I mean, I guess so this uh, update, like with the hip, it's still there. The knee and hip are still there. It's just manageable now, where we're able to just still hit numbers. Um, we're just trying to get to that off season because we haven't had one in such a long ass time. Um, I will give myself I'm the most active of all the eighty two and a half uh, that are competing. Um, there hasn't been a competition that I didn't compete in since nationals, so maybe I should not do that after Nationals this go-round because I'm feeling the effects of it and feeling the lack of, you know, substantial progress there. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's something to talk about uh, between me and Gruden. Um, last year was really fun going into that third-place battle. I think the 82s was a definite spotlight for a lot of people. I actually want to talk about the regular session, though. So, I actually, yeah. Alright, so I'm gonna circle back to the other two primetime lifters, but the regular session has David Chan, Kyle DeLeon, Alex Lucko. You guys are gonna get a treat in the regular session. Those are three awesome lifters who could possibly total eight, over 800 kilos. David Chan, Kyle DeLeon, one of the best matchups I've seen at a local level in my life. I think, I actually think it's better than Celine Crum and Kyle DeLeon because it was, it was, it was a little bit more back and forth and Kyle DeLeon was like an unknown. And at that meet, like, whoa, if he totals what he's going to total, he's up there with some of the big contenders. Um, he just missed out on it. David Chan is a little bit more of the executioner. Um, I think he should have been in prime time. He does have a higher nominated total than Michael Seam, Jimmy Villanueva. We talked about that, so we don't need to, you know, uh, add more uh, information on why he's not in prime time. But it's going to at least yield an awesome um, – uh, regular session, and then with Alex Lucko, Alex, everyone knows that I love Alex. Lucky's the best. He's awesome. Incredible young lifter. He just seems to always make progress. He's incredibly strong. He, I, I think, man, uh, he's he's up there with uh, David Chan and Kyle DeLeon. I actually might venture and say Alex can get himself into a top five position from the regular session. That's how good his lifts look. I think he could potentially pass Michael C. and Jimmy Villanueva, who are in the primetime session, both fantastic lifters. Alex is that good, and if he's, I think he's capable of totaling over 800 at a point. I think if he totals in the 800 range, I, you know, he can get himself into a fourth or fifth place, because if I have a poor meet, John has a poor meet, we don't have these big 820, 840 total range to fall back on. I mean... Virginia Pro, I had a shitty meet, and I was and I was able to save face with an 800 total. If I have another shitty meet, Alex, Michael, Jimmy Villanueva, and really David Chanakow de Leon could surpass that. Um, so they could find themselves into a top five, which would be a really big accolade for them. Um, I'm, I think I'm, uh, I, I guess I'll go into the next one. I think I'm really excited, most excited to see Michael C. I really want to see him fully. Develop as an 82 and a half kilo lifter. He 
had a very good track record of 74 kilos. He was kind of the guy potentially to dethrone Atwood. Um, that didn't work out. I think he missed his window of opportunity. But he has a lot of room to grow in 82.5. Big subtotal. The only thing that hurts him is the deadlift. And there is Jimmy Villanueva right there. He's got a big subtotal. Struggles a little bit with the squat as far as keeping pace with everyone else. But a solid bench. But he's got the deadlift. So... There's a lot to look at who's just not if your name is just not Russ Orhe or Sean Oriega. Like the regular session of this can, you know, yield some real good top five performances. And yeah, this is um this is in my opinion, uh the most stacked weight class because I think if you're if you have a five twenty dots, you might not you probably not be getting mentioned in this preview show. I mean Uthong Pros, Gage Carrion. Who else is eighty two and a half who's a beast and we can't even like really give them a spotlight and there's they're having a five twenty to five thirty dots. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean if there if there's one like if we're gonna make the comparison to IPF Worlds, if there's one class that legitimately is just straight up better than IPF Worlds, and it's it's likely the only one, is eighty two and a half. Um it has arguably the two best. And then if you take John and Angelo and put them against Tim and Delaney. That's honestly a pretty good battle there. And then if you take the people after that, they're probably all like the, the next up after Tim and Delaney. Um, I, I think, I mean, between Kyle, David, Michael, Jimmy, and Alex, it would not surprise me at all if at least one to two of those got to 800 kilos. And if that's the case, like you kind of mentioned Angelo, if you or John or both, both you and John or Sean or Russ, whoever it may be, slip up, they could sneak in. I mean, David had a lot more room in the tank at his meet at work at. Mm-hmm. Alex has been progressing, progressing really, really well. Um, Michael, we'll have to see. I, I mean, I think his potential is incredible at 82 and a half. I think just life circumstances have been a bit tough. Um, it doesn't seem like he's fully clicked with training right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I very much expect, like, if you were to total 1769 again, I expect at least two of these people to probably total over 1769. Uh, um, they're not out of it. They, they could sneak their way into the top three. Um, I mean, kind of like in the fact that, like, we didn't know that Delaney would be second or Angela would be third last year. There, there were some people that would that were sneaking in in, in sense of, like, we knew that, that the capabilities were there, but... Um, if, if some people don't perform up to par, it, it leaves room for other people to, to be the dark horse. Mm-hmm. Fully agree. And, like, after watching the Arnolds, like, I definitely became a, Jim, a Jimmy Villanueva fan because that was really cool to watch him get his pro card. Michael C., I, I really want to see him do well. Like, I really – I think we all do. But, but, like, I want him to have a meet where he can just hit his numbers. Like, I was just looking at his track record – and he just hasn't had a meet where he doesn't at least go, like, he's still be going six or five for nine. I just want him to, like, okay, you're not cutting weight. Will this be enough for you to just have a solid nine for nine day? Well, I mean, he's out doubting a lot of us still, right? So, like, that's that's something to look exactly. at, too. So, so. <laughs> yeah. Imagine nine for nine. Yeah, exactly. I, I think this pull holds him back. That's that's kind of the thing, just his pull. Um, at, I mean, mislips and his pull, like – no matter if he hits his pull or not, like it just it's with eighty two and a half, so you have to have some sort of pull in order to stay on par. I think it has to be over seven hundred pounds, um, and or at least seven hundred on the dot. That's why John Gruden, I think, has really took that next step in his career, um, where he's like, I I think 
with maybe another year. I and the I, I guess circling back to John. I'm sorry if I'm like all over the place. Circling back to John, this is the, one of the first times he's had like two meets in succession, two. So I don't think we're we're not going to see the full year of progress. But also we have like the reason why we're seeing this massive uptick in his totals because he competes like he's competed three times I think in three years. So he's. Uh, he, I, you could see, you could see the potential there when he has a full year to really progress. Um, and, you know, I, I think, um, I think Michael C is growing into it, not quite there, but that deadlift has to develop, um, or just keep on building up that really nasty subtotal. I mean, with weight gain, that squat and bench are going to go up. And that can be a big issue for a lot of the top 82 and a halves and even 83s in the world. Um, are I, uh, yeah, lots to talk about in this weight class, but are we doing predictions here, or do we have anything else? Yeah, I think I think we're ready. All we're right. ready. I'm going first. I don't think I got first yet. All right, I'm going with Russell or he. I'm going with John Gruden and then Sean Noriega. All right, you're gonna have to explain why John over Sean. Yes, um, I just. I just want Sean to actually hit his lifts, and I think he'll miss some. That's it. I think he'll miss at least two. That is about the most blunt answer I think we've ever gotten on two white lights. But I like it. I actually really like that. Um, all right. Who should go next? Steve, you go. Steve, well, go I'm, I'm going to be the least surprising. I should go last. But, I mean, shocker, I'm taking Russ first. Kidding, Sean. <laughs> Sean first. Remember, I coach him. Yeah. Again, if, if, if some if someone's listening and doesn't realize I coach Sean and they think I just hate Russ, I do coach Sean. So I mean, yeah. I hope I pick him. Yeah. Sean, yeah. Russ, Angelo. One, two, three. All right. I'm actually really nervous to give this one because I want to work at Corrupted Classic. And I don't want to set some people. Um, I am going to go... I'm going to go Sean Noriega first. Last year, I said if I close my eyes, I saw Russ winning it. This year, if I close my eyes, I seen Sean Noriega. And also, I want to give you guys the reason. The reason why I'm picking Sean Noriega. Sean at Collegiate Nationals messaged me and was like, hey, man, you want to meet up and get a cigar later? Sean Noriega of 2020 would, or 2020 and 2021 would have not have asked me that question. He wanted to get a drink and a cigar. He is so wired in. He's so focused that he doesn't do anything that, you know, potentially could hurt training going forward. That is telling me Sean Noriega is a little bit more unbothered. That tells me something, and I think his training is reflecting that. I do see a little bit more of a calm, less neurotic Sean Noriega, and that I'm like, all right. Because I, I think Russ is like the most unbothered lifter. He's the most chill. He's the most calm. He doesn't get rattled. You know, in 2019, he could have easily came unglued with missing his first two squats. He didn't. I think he was the most calm guy in his corner because I know, I've, from what I've heard, you know, Flex and Tina were like, oh, Jesus Christ, like, we got we got to fix something here. And you actually could see, you know, I think Flex even admitted to me, like, he was on pins and needles watching that last squat. Russ was the most calm. 
Sean Noriega is adopting that. He's intense. He's a driven individual. I think sometimes that could hurt someone. Sean's training seems to be going very well, and especially with the rust. I mean, he says he's, and also he's just not 100%, right? Like, you got you got to take that into account. Like, if someone's coming in not 100%, and it's clear that they're not, I, I think I'll have to take the guy who's coming in 100%. Still going to be a battle, though. He's still Russ Orhe. And third, I'm going to pick myself for the first time in career. Angelo Fortino, do it. I love it. Yeah, right. I'm so happy. Yeah, I won't give you any other thing. I thought you were gonna. I, I thought you were gonna go pick Alex Lucko. I should have so much. But if Alex beats me, I'm. I don't think I could ever like show my face in a group chat again. That would be rough. If Alex, they will never let me hear the end of it, and he won't either. Alex, he's a sweet kid, but he talks his shit, and actually it. It digs a little deeper because he's so nice. When he starts talking shit, it hurts more because he's so nice and he doesn't do it. It's like, I don't know if these insults and comebacks are good because he's saying it. They're good. But, yeah, I'll put myself third. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Training is decent. John, I don't know what's going on. But, fuck, I got hurt last year because I didn't pick myself. I got to do it this year. So, all right, I think that'll do it for this episode, a long episode. Hopefully the next one's shorter. My girlfriend's going to beat my ass for <laughs> for this uh, for these previews. But, um, yeah, tune in Wednesday. We'll have 90 kilos and 140 kilo and up. We'll see you guys next week or uh, next or on Wednesday.